Welcome, Highfalutin Ski Bum Podcast, episode number 148. And folks, you are in for a special treat. It is your pals, Mario and Brian. Mario, what's up? Feels good. It feels good to be back. I had a little skiing, had my first ski outing of the year last week. And uh, now we actually, we're a very special guest. We like actually it. hung out and skied. We hadn't hung out since the Boston trip when we did the uh, the, the snow show, the snow and ski expo back in november so it was good to hang out and good to catch up and get some turns in together obviously actually skied together which is nice and we did put and we danced on instagram yes we danced (laughs) we danced very elegantly and my wife hit on an australian guy right after that so you know it it was kind of a weird après ski scene but you know again we just kind of you got to think like improv comedy yes and yes never say no it's always like the hangover. You just go with it. Like it'll just end up. And the next day you're like, why were we hanging out with that? Like what were you doing? Like, it's just weird. Isn't the whole point of life is to have stories. Yeah. So you want to just keep saying yes. And, and then you get your stories. And then you look back and you're like, wow, that was pretty crazy. But you want to, you don't want to mess it up by saying, wait a minute, this is a little crazy. You just kind of go with it. See what happens. Play yeah. the hand you're dealt. Roll the <laughs> dice. Another gambling metaphors. There you go. But yes, it is not just Mario and I today. We have a very special guest. It is one of my oldest friends. Wait, wait, hold on a sec. Oh boy. The crowd. It is our pal Nick, who we've talked about many times on the podcast before, but he is finally on. So Nick, welcome and thank you for joining us. Oh, thank yeah. you guys for having me. A uh, long time listener, first time third wheel extra guy. Breaking his cherry. Yeah, we've been talking about this for a very long time. And, you know, life gets in the way sometimes. You know, you're on the West Coast, we're on the East Coast. And we uh, we couldn't make it happen. But 2019 is a different year, my friends. We, uh, you know, 2018 was a year, 2017 was a year, but 2019 is very different. And Things that we've said that will happen are actually going to happen this year. And this is just one of the first things. So welcome. For our listeners, for our listeners like you've heard us mention Nick before, like, cause we, we kind of look up to him. Like he's, he's able to ski a little bit more than us. He does a little more badass stuff than us. He took us back country, you know, like before. So it's kind of like, this, this is a very special time, which is good. Uh, I like this. We almost feel like posers because we're talking, we, we, we set this whole freaking podcast up and we, you know, we, we channel talk, Nick. That's what we channel you. Yes. You're kind of, you are our lightning rod. You're an influence. Like we wouldn't have done this without some of the things we've, you know, done and talked to you about. So, you know, you're, uh, you're kind of our, our spirit animal. So, so spirit thank you for animal. doing that. You're making me blush. All right. All right. <laughs> spirit Nick. You're the spirit Nick and all the other stupid shit we do. That's all on us. <laughs> It's a lot of us. Yeah, you're the smart, inspirational things. We're our, ourselves are the dumb things. So. Really dumb shit. Like, yeah, we have fun. It's that's it's good. That's right, and it's funny. Like the the three of us when we get together, it just becomes this like uh, I don't know what the what the word is. Like I, I we've we've gone on trips with people, and you know people that are good friends, and for some reason, like you know when certain people get together, they form. It's like you make the big robot. You're making the big. Well, some people get, they form retard Voltron. Like they're, great, <laughs> they're great as the individual lion. You love hanging out with the individual lions, they're but cool, they get right? together yeah. with certain people, and you're just like, yeah, I yeah. hate all these people together. <laughs> like retard Voltron. I want to just set it on fire. Then that's right. <laughs> but now I think when the three of us get together, we become like this like 
for like fun force of nature. Um, <laughs> and I will allude to a, a cannabis consuming episode we had back in Seattle where it's totally legal, where we consumed some God's gift and the three of us laughed for 15 minutes straight and all just fell asleep. Seven days of hell. That was seven yep. days of hell. After watching seven days in hell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that moment happened in the exact place I'm standing right now brings back fantastic lack of memories. Um, <laughs> absolutely. Yes. So, yeah, so we're very happy to have you on here. We're going to have a fun chat, a fun conversation. I think this is going to be a one for the one for the record hall. So thank you everyone for listening and checking us out. More information, skibumpodcast.com. We are on the socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We're all at Ski Bum Podcast. And thank you everyone on Instagram who's been DMing us and asking for stickers. It's We're happy to send them out to you because we're just trying to spread the word. So if you want to do that, you know how to find us, send us a private message and we'll get you asked some stickers. And I also want to say a thank you to the good folks over at racewax.com. I placed an order and the owner, Mark, I'm going to totally butcher your last name and I'm totally sorry. <laughs> I'm not going to say, I'm going to say Mark from racewax.com for the nice letter. And I love uh, how you put your names though. Try it. I, no, I just, no, 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 no. Cause it's awesome. It's, it's awesome. Cause after you look back, you're like, man, you put you the hell out of me. No, I'm going to research it and actually do it correctly. But Mark, <laughs> thank you so much for, for the letter. And hopefully you're checking this out. That would be great. Uh, I'll send a note to you also so we can maybe reach out and have you on in the future. But yeah, we got a lot of great feedback and I think we're, we're starting to get better at this whole thing and we're trying to make something of this. So thank you everyone for checking it out. We really do appreciate it. We also have our shop on the site, skibumpodcast.com slash shop. If you're interested and want to get some cool swag, it's starting to show up all over the country. Nick, I know you've been rocking your, your swag out West. So thank you for doing that. Yeah, it made its appearance at Whistler uh, just about a week ago. You Sweet. are our West Coast brand ambassador, whether you knew it or not. <laughs> That's right. We're also on Pinterest, Highfalutin Dash Ski Bums, YouTube. You got to search for us. And we are on SoundCloud. But like the, the meme, the joke goes, I haven't updated it in a year. So, you know, you can go there and look at a retro episode. Check that out if you want to. And one day, I'm going to upgrade our account to the proper account where we have unlimited and upload all the episodes but soundcloud's not- like the archive i like it like you get the legacy archive we'll call it but it's almost like a like an archive grab bag there's like just one or two like random old episodes because there's it's like a, a limited- time capsule it's a time capsule because there's a limited amount of space you can you get with the free or it's like a there's a couple different tiers to the accounts and whatever the lowest tier that you still pay for is, is the one we have and i think it holds because again it's for it's mostly for music so you know if you had like a, an album and it was an hour you could put like two albums out there, but one podcast episode, which is like two hours, will take up that whole space. So well, we're like music to everybody's ears. So we're kind of like music too. So I like to think of us as like Kenny G songbird, oh, but like a that? two hour episode of that. Oh, that's like a chill, like just lay back and just ride it out kind of thing. That's cool. <laughs> hey man, don't, don't sleep on Kenny G like old school Kenny G. The new stuff isn't as good, but the old stuff <laughs> <laughs> before he sold out i don't think we're prepared to debate kenny g right now <laughs> i celebrate his entire catalog <laughs> yeah don't be bagging on it but it's good though uh yeah it's hey you know what i i know a lot of people who listen to that song they go this is a good song and they go who is it kenny g oh bro i don't like that shit but they know who he is that's exactly what i'm talking about how does he suck and everybody knows who he is 
Right. Hey, same. man, he's got a bigger yacht than you do, right? Same. So don't hate same. on Kenny G. Exactly. Do you, do you guys think that Kenny G gets laid a lot because of his musical talent? Hmm. I think a lot of guys do bang him for his musical talent. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> See him rocking that soprano sax. I mean, you know. If he's into that kind of thing, then yeah. I guess, you know, <laughs> he'd be rocking it. <laughs> I don't know. That sax is pretty sexy. It is. He makes it work. That's like one of those like uh, those like internet meme like Thanksgiving or uh, Thanksgiving cards. Jesus, Valentine's cards. It's like the picture of Kenny G. It's like I think you're sexy. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's something. It's it good, but it is something. It's something. It, yeah, it's out there. We've done our thank yous, our introductions. It's time for our pray today. So, Mario, do you want to start us off? I will start us off. So while up in uh, Vermont, I was able to had a nice time. Uh, Burlington is nice. I tell you what, sweet ass place. Went over to like foam, went over to like did a whole bunch of stuff over there and then went to the place that just opened up this year, the Lawson's tasting room, Lawson's finest. If anybody doesn't know, Lawson's finest liquids makes one of the best IPAs in the world. Uh, And if you've never had it, uh, you need to get to Vermont to get it or call craft. Was it craft beer sellers? Craft beer they, sellers. Ship, they ship some. So uh, the one out of um, Warren, I think it is whichever one I use, but that's how I got my sip of sunshine, which I just ran out. I'm having my last one today. Oh. Um, but uh, I kind of keistered coming back from Vermont uh, on the airplane, the maple nipple. So I keistered a nipple. And Maple Nipple is Lawson's got a bunch of stuff. I bought like a few hundred dollars worth of stuff there. And I brought back like a four pack. Did so, you go through most of it when you were up there? We went now, you gave lot. me a four pack. So I, I have my four or actually you gave me a four pack and then a four of sip. So I have, I got eight, yeah. eight cans. And I gave some to Rem. And then John was like, just get me like over a hundred dollars worth. And I'm like, all right, cool. So I went in there and like the only limit they had was on sip. So, uh, I got like the triple, the double, I got a whole bunch of, and one maple nipple. So we sat in the tasting room and it was beautiful. It was a perfect Vermont. Like, so I went up with my girlfriend from Melanie from, from Tampa and went up there and we, we walked everywhere. She's a trooper. She, she's immune to cold. She's like a white walker, I think. Cause her, her hands turn white when she's walking, like when they get cold. So, uh, but we walked everywhere and we're walking, it's snowing. There's it like, it was like flurrying out. We get there and we get to this beautiful tasting room. And, uh, I tell you what, that, that tasting room is pretty nice. It, it was, just opened, uh, I think in September. Right. And it looks like you said, very, it's a log cabin. Everything is wood. It's like it's a big got, barn, like structure. It's, it's like, you could tell they put a lot of work into it. Uh, and they had this maple nipple, which I was dying to try. And it's an amber ale. Uh, maple nipple. It's kind of like, it tastes like, I think they put a little maple in it, uh, when they make it, but it's kind of like picture sip of sunshine with a little bit, with a little dash of maple syrup in it. It's great. Um, and now they had that on draft up at Killington last weekend too. Yeah. Which I was like, I had multiple times and it was, it was so good. I drank a lot of losses on that trip. Yeah. And Lawson's too, like that's, that's the, you know, the guy who started it and Nick, you're not, unfortunately you probably haven't gotten the 
privilege of drinking these sip of sunshine and like not even said, never even seen it it's it, 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 it could be one of the top five ipas in the world like it's really really good so it's, yeah it's, it's what they there. they they started making this and like a the guy is like a beer genius sean lawson and they started making it up in warren vermont they somehow were able to start producing this in at the two roads brewery in stratford connecticut so they started making all of that there contract brewing it and then they started their own new brewery up in vermont where they make all their other stuff so now they have a full palette of beers available and they're all just out of this world yeah it's really good i actually love to see this to be honest with you i've been on the west coast most of my adult life and of course the west coast claims to have you know be the nursery of the ipa and that we have all the great IPAs. And what's really interesting is one of my favorite IPAs is actually from San Diego. I had one earlier tonight and you go, you come up to Seattle and they're like, no IPAs were invented in Seattle or Seattle beer. You need rainy, cool weather to drink an IPA, but then you head back East now. And I, I think you've got IPAs rivaling uh, or beating the Seattle IPAs right now. So but I think Vermont is that center. Beer. They're a fantastic beer. I think yeah. it just took a little while for it to spread as a cultural taste, maybe. Well, now look at how many beers. Almost everyone's making a New England style IPA. I mean, that's the big thing now. Yeah. You know, the big hazy IPAs that it's almost becoming cliche at this point. And there's people are starting to be like, oh, I don't drink those anymore. You know, everyone drinks them. It's like, well, yeah, everyone drinks them because they're awesome. That's why they're making yeah. them. Yeah. But yeah, like uh, Long Trail, they just came out with theirs. Because they had the space juice, and then we talked to the guy at the Boston show, oh, and he's like, "Oh, juice. I forgot about space juice." Well, they changed to that Vermont IPA. That was like their new version of that. <clears throat> um, space juice. But yeah, they. Um, I mean, the Vermont IPA is no space juice, my man. Just they're, they're different, but they're still both very good. But yeah, like now you go to like anywhere in Vermont skiing, and you know, again, it's not the same as, as skiing on the West Coast, but the beer scene there is just ridiculous. I mean, you go anywhere in Vermont, they're like, hey, yeah, our default is Long Trail. Like that's like that's and of course we'll have PBR because you have to, but like the regular like beer is is a Long Trail, and that's like a great beer if you're yeah. outside of Vermont. So having come back East, I grew up in the East uh, with you, Brian, like we went to school together for God ever. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think we met in what the, the third grade. I moved and, out in third grade. Yeah. Yeah. Third grade. So I come back every few years. I've been in the West coast most of my life after, after we went to school and long trail has a near and dear place in my heart. Like I, that's, I went on a tour there when I was in grad school and I was up there with one of my buddies, we stayed in, I think to this day, one of my best ski weekends of all time was still at Killington Okemo and this little Irish pub slash motel. And we drove down to Long Trail. We did the tour. We had food, drank beers, got a bunch of six packs to go, then went back, listened to an Irish band that had in this bar that was part of the hotel that had rocks as one. The mountain was part of the building with amazing food like that whole vibe you it's it's east coast through and through and you can never beat it there's nothing on the west coast that beats that or in the rockies to be honest with you and i've i've skied it all and i have so much heart for that area like i i get homesick for it it's kind of interesting there's definitely a charm to it that yeah again it's It's not charm yeah it isn't the it isn't you're not 
you know, Breckenridge was it fifteen thousand feet? You don't get that, but there's a it's thirteen four. But yes, thirteen four. <laughs> so here's the thing. So we did uh, we did Burlington, and then we we came down and did um, Killington. And I tell you, Burlington is such a nice, chill town. It's very granola, but it's really like kind of that's where you get that New England, Vermont charm where where people get away from like the big city and they want to go up like that's where you want to go you know uh killington's a great mountain um good beers we've like now so nick now like we've been talking about sip of sunshine you know lawson's and we've been talking about heavy topper like they're carrying it more places now like they have like sip of sunshine on draft places it's crazy you know so it's like it's the dream i wish that was there but i probably would have been a little bit more alcoholic than i am now it's, if it was there. so yeah so killington actually announced in their magazine this past because they always do their their 42 41 which is the elevation of the the peak there they do a magazine every year and kind of just you know going over you know what's new and just some stories and their 100 plus you know club for people who've been on the mountain 100 days or more and they actually had an announcement from sip of sunshine saying this is now available in cans at all the lodges now Crazy. that may not seem like a big deal to most people me and Mario, the dumbasses that we are, like three years ago, we we actually mapped out the delivery route for Lawson's, where they're delivering Sip of Sunshine on what day so we could go and buy it because it was such a hot commodity and you couldn't get it everywhere back then. So uh, it, it just vanished? Like it was gone like hours after it showed up? Yes. yes. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then you would be limited to like get one or get a four pack or get like an eight pack. I actually told that story to them at Lawson's and they were like, yeah, we're limiting in here because now we're pushing it out because we're able to produce more. We're pushing out so that the retailers can offer it with no limits. I'm like, you know, I was the idiot driving around. I said, but it was kind of like a, a scavenger hunt. It was kind of fun, you know, yeah, so everything, run, so running to the same people. You just buy everything online now. So everything is not really a hunt anymore, but yeah, this beer hunt, it was so much fun. We drove for hours up to like, yeah, to, to Waitsfield to, um, oh that's how God. we found mad taco, man. That's yes. <clears throat> Serendipitous discoveries. We Love found, mad taco. yeah, we found mad taco. That was just, yeah. Talking to the guy at the, uh, the beer shop. He's like, Oh, this place is great. Go over there. Yeah. So would you say that like sip of sunshine is like the Pliny the elder of the East coast? That's probably Hedy Topper. That's Hedy. Okay. So I've heard a lot about Hedy Topper. Never had it. Mm -hmm. Can't speak to it. Like I said, not enough time on the East coast. Got to send you some. I was looking at that. So there's Pliny the elder, which is actually bottled distributed. And then there's Pliny the younger. They release a handful of kegs a year. People wait hours to get into a bar lines around the block are that area or it used to be like that i mean when hetty topper again the the company that makes hetty topper is called alchemist brewers and they just opened i think two years ago a big uh brewery in stowe like right on the mountain road and before that they were just making it in this little place i think in waterbury and it's same thing. You would see like the heady topper truck. They'd have a list on their website, what days they delivered and to where, yep. and you need to be there again, same assholes, me and Mario. I think it was that same year, three or four years ago, we knew they were going to the hunger mountain co-op in Montpelier. Oh. Oh, oh, we, we had to drive two. I think it was two hours from Killington up there. Hour and a half, two hours. Something like and that. we left like 15 minutes late. 
from when the and delivery we're was around. coming in. We were, we were delivery was, the delivery yeah. was coming in at 9 a.m., 9 or 10 a.m. We were there 15 minutes late. It looked like goddamn Hurricane <laughs> Katrina with people like looting and like just carrying beers in the water. We're like, oh my God, what happened? As we walk in the door, we hear, sorry, Hetty Topper fans, we are all sold out. We got there 15 minutes after the truck arrived and we yeah. couldn't get a single goddamn beer. The funniest part is I'm ready to park the car and I told Brian, I'm like, you want me to drop you off? Like, cause we saw somebody come out with like a, you know, a, a case and he's like, no, nah, we should be all right. And I'm like, I'm joking with him. I'm like, it'd be funny if we got there, like, cause it's like 15 minutes after you're open. I'm like, that'd be pretty funny if like they were out. Like he, and we're like, nah, there's no way. Cause we weren't even rushing there. We're like, we're going to get there. It was a Thursday, half hour Thursday, you know, whatever fucking right out. Like, Oh, and then people online in front of us are like, well, I think somebody was selling half of their case in the parking lot or some shit. It was that crazy. But they just paid for it. That crazy. Yeah. What? And then the year after that, so we got a little smarter, very, very little bit smarter. And that, that woke up, woke us up. The next year, we actually went to a place in Winooski, which is the town just north of Burlington. And they, they, they actually, again, they announced when they're releasing the beers, when the trucks are showing up. It's at 7 p.m. on Wednesday at the Winooski Brew Warehouse, whatever. We got there an hour early. We still couldn't even get the max amount because of how many people were already in line an hour before the truck even arrived. Like it was lunacy. And again, there's a, this is a liquor store that's just chock full of booze and all these regular alcoholics are coming in, looking at all these dummies that are in line going like, you know, there's a whole store full of booze. You can just buy and go. There's not a lot to wait of beer here. Like you don't like this other beer. Like you're waiting for that one beer. Like, yeah. All the expired beer too. Like we were in line. It was like all the summer stuff, <laughs> <laughs> all the pumpkin beers, They're like pumpkin all beers. two years before. It was a week before Christmas. It was weird. I drove past that. So when we were coming back from Burlington, driving down to Killington, uh, we went right by there and I'm sitting there like, yeah, I waited there for an hour for like, I think I got two, two, two four, four packs, packs, right? I, and I you got, got three, right? I was right in front of you and they kind of, well, the nice thing, <laughs> what they did was they, everyone that was there when the delivery came, they counted you off and they're like, okay, we want to make sure everyone gets at least something. So they broke it out. They're like, okay, this you know, the first 10 people get a case and ration 30 they had a ration they had to ration the goddamn beer <laughs> not only were you waiting in line they had to ration it it's that we were down to that could you imagine you could talk to your total first world problems you talk to your great-grandparents like if you just have like a conversation with them you know like oh yeah we were in line for like bread we were all starving you know, we got like a yeah. loaf for everybody for all 12 kids they're like yeah i was in line for beer for an hour and there was other beer around i didn't want that one it wasn't good enough i needed this special beer He's sitting there, World War II, fuck that, Grandpa. I remember standing online and trying to get Hetty Topper. I only got like a four-pack, man. I was so pissed. Those were dark times. Like, you know we couldn't eat, you son of a bitch. Like, I don't know, man. I couldn't get that much Hetty Topper. (laughs) You know, it's funny. You guys are talking about this. I was exposed to this for the first time like probably 10 years ago in Minnesota. And it was new to me at the time. It's probably been going on since we were nothing, right? We were a gleam in our father's eye. Um, <laughs> but I learned about these, these weights when I was living in Minnesota with Surly Brewery. Um, they used to have this release around Halloween called the darkness. And they always had the best bottle art. I've heard of them. Yeah. You've heard of this. Yeah. This stout. So they released their stouts and they're, and they're around 
I think thanks. Uh, no, sorry, Halloween. And then you're supposed to age them. You're supposed to age them for a while. Most people age them to Christmas, drink one, age another for another year, drink one, age another for another year, drink one. Like these are aging beers. These are beers that are like wine. They get better with time. They just had an article that they're not changing how they're doing it, supposedly. I have a horrible fear of lines. And these lines are everything you guys have described. Like you are camping in these parking lots. But my next neighbor became a good friend of mine. And he loved California beers. And I went to California, well, eventually moved back to California. So in exchange, he'd go there and he, he could walk away with six of these beers. From Surly, the, the Surly Darkness of the Year. Nice. In exchange for a case of California, like IPAs and whatnot, and the best of the best. So we had this exchange going for years, up at, up until very recently. I've actually sent him a lot of Seattle beers and all those along the way. But I, I got to say, I always won in this. No matter what California beer, I sent him Pliny. <laughs> I sent him Pliny the Elder several wow. years ago. Several bottles too, like not not relinquished. This was, in my opinion, Surly's darkness for years, especially after you you had to age it about a year. You had to let it sit in the fridge. It was the best beer I've ever had in my life. This was the nectar of the gods. It is perfect. Every every single taste bud you have would light up with this beer. Damn. But yeah, if like, they had an article on them, like understand that like you're not drinking, hey, I'm done skiing. Let's have a let's have a quick course light. This was syrup by the time you nice. aged it. it was, you're drink you're drinking syrup, but it was amazing. It was life-changing. Oh, oh that's awesome. Yeah, I'm looking at one of the uh one of the bottles online. It's like got this like Grim Reaper looking dude. It's almost like the guy from Saw, like a big cauldron of blood, and, and yep. it's a, it's pretty I, awesome labels. I can send you photos of about every year that's arrived in my house. It's a magnificent beer, but you got to age it. You have to have patience. It's one of those things like people are like, I have a wine cellar. And you're just like, yeah, I got a beer cellar, bitch. That's right. I like to age my PBR. I prefer it's got a little bit of muskiness (laughs) to it. (laughs) So the Thrillist had in December, this is one of the things, I don't know if we put it on the show, but we talked about it. they did an article on them and they said, why well, one Minnesota beer inspires fans to stand out in the snow, even when they don't have to. So it's like become like just a ritual where people just go out and they want to hang out and have some of this uh, darkness. I'm going to send this to you, Nick. Yeah. I've been blown. When I lived in Minnesota, I was blown away by the quality of their beer. Um, Surly is the one I walk away saying this was the standout when it comes to mass production everything else. I mean, there were standout craft beers that were doing smaller things, but Surly nailed it. And this beer was worth aging. God, I, if I, if I could stand in line every year, I'd buy a couple bottles, age them, see what they could do, especially like two, three years in. I never had the patience because <laughs> I, I was like so desperate to taste them. I was like one year in, I'm like, I got to drink this. Well, people are doing that now with uh, Dogfish 120. So I went to a bar before I left New Jersey, Brian and um, Shepherd and Knucklehead, they had a keg that was there for five years. So they actually got it and they kept it like tucked away for like five years. And I said, they tried one that was three years age and the five one was better. I tell you, this was, it was really good. Um, 
So I, have about, I have about three bottles of that, of the Dogfish Head 120. Because remember, I think it was like How? 2013 or so, we started going crazy and fine. Like whenever they yeah. came out, we'd buy them up. And you really couldn't drink much of it. Because I mean, what was it, like 18% or whatever? It's like 12 plus. And nah, it, like, you know, it's way more than that. You know, I, all I know is it's like mind erasing like nights. So Brian, if you remember, you missed my 40th birthday this year. We drank a lot of that down in Charleston, South Carolina. Yeah. Ah. I'm not sure I was in Charleston, South Carolina. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I drank a lot of that beer. Into a special place. That's it's it knocks you on your ass, that stuff. So I don't it's, know if you're there. I went back it is. It's delicious. It's From really Marty, good. Right? Yeah. Huh? You've had it, right? It's fantastic. Oh, beer. yeah, I've had it. I always look out for it. And then after having, I'm like, damn, I shouldn't have that much, <laughs> that much of it. So Hoboken, uh, I don't know if I saw you that night, Brian, I went, I was in the city and I met up with John and Steve and they had dogfish 120 on tap at some place in Hoboken. Oh, dude, that's was, before Whistler. We were, we met up. Yeah. Yeah. Just before Whistler. And it, like, just before I went to Whistler, I worked Last in the city yeah. and then, yeah, I tell you what, that night, Holy shit! After having that 120, I was like, "What happened?" The rest of the night? well, there's some really stupid shots that came out right after that too. I remember I had to bail because I had to make a boat. But yes, I, that yeah. that night you were already you were a train wreck by eight o'clock, and I was I had to get out of there. Yeah, and then we found out they had 120. We're like, "Holy crap!" Yeah, it was pretty bad. I remember someone else was buying. So I think it was like, I mean, it was ridiculously expensive at that bar. I think John bought or or Steve. I was like, whatever. Yeah. Whatever. It, and we only had one. It wasn't like we were pounding it. Like we just had one and that was it. It just, it was small too. It was like those little, those little like brandy snifter things. I don't know what you call those glasses. It's like chugging brandy. It's really, it, it's like, you got to treat it like brandy. You got to have like the smallest little <laughs> one bottle is like three servings, you know, crazy. So Nick, so what are you drinking for your app today? Um, I've actually gone with a classic Gibson, which is nice. I drank it. It's gone. <laughs> Bye-bye. So what's in a Gibson for people that are non-Gibson-esque? I actually am incredibly glad you asked because this is, in my eyes, one of the most important drinks in America. This is my it's underrated. drink. My grandfather drank. My father drank. My brothers drank. It's it's a great drink. It's just... Is that a George Thurgood song? Uh, yeah. <laughs> they pour gin in a glass... With a whisper of dry, dry, please, for the love of God, vermouth with a cocktail onion. That's it. It's incredibly easy, except that most bartenders screw it up. I don't um, know what they put in it, right? They put too much of the uh, the vermouth in there. and mess uh, Too much vermouth ruins any martini. You're dead on, Mario. And then yeah, I was funny. I was, I was actually hanging out with my neighbor last night, and she was saying that she's a big gin drinker. She loves like Gibson martinis. And she goes, she can't tell me how many bars she's been in where they put sweet vermouth in there. Oh, mm. are you serious? Nasty. Yeah. yeah throw it right back in the bartender's face. Gibson, like this is most, she says, everybody hears Gimlet when they hear Gibson. Oh. Gibson's an old drink. It's a, it's your grandfather's drink, right? It's a classic martini. You have your regular yeah. classic martini. The original martini. Yeah. If you go all the way back to the invention of the martini, this is the original martini. Onion, gin, a whisper 
of dry vermouth, a couple ice cubes or up. You can do it either way. And that's your drink. Um, is, that, you know, is that a metric whisper or is that a uh, standard <laughs> whisper? I love that question because this has been like the question that's plagued every bartender since the, my, oh, so that's my, just a I was whisper. by a bartender. I think Brian knows this, but probably Mario doesn't. My dad was a bartender through college and grad school, famous for his Manhattans. And what he nice. always said, a whisper of vermouth is like the hardest thing to figure out. Like what is, what do people mean by that? Yeah. So for him, it was like skim the glass, like spin it around and throw it out. Yeah, that's what I've heard about that. You just put it in there, coat the glass, and then chuck it. I like that. But that's my Uh appetite. Sorry, guys. Not 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 an eclectic beer, but classic drink. I'm thrilled with it. I still am every day of my life. Look, there's like just a smile on your face, just even talking about it. What makes or breaks that though is uh, the onions they use. Right, if they're shitty onions, kills the whole drink. And Mario, actually, I think you hit on a really good point here. Is I can't tell you how many, uh, maybe less so lately. Mm. But in the, so I'm not even that old. But in the early days, I've always liked this drink. You know, my your your grandfather drinks it, your father drinks it. You drink it, right? Yeah. You you order it when you're 25 years old. You, but when the early days of ordering this drink before anybody was drinking gin again, people are drinking gin again. Cha- times are changing. Oh, yeah. They're drinking gin. I go in now, though, and the onion that they give you is mushy. It's nasty. It was it was awful. Now, everybody has cocktail onions. Like, the yeah. world has changed again. Yeah. Well, it's like I was like when martinis became big again. It's like, all right, I want the martinis. I love the blue cheese stuffed, uh, stuffed olives, you know? So if they have them, I'm like, oh, yeah, give me the blue cheese. Give me the regular, whatever you got. And then don't give me the little tiny ones. Give me a nice big fat, you know, olive. I want a real olive. Can I ask you a question? Have you ever actually eaten a blue cheese olive? Yes. How was that? (laughs) It was good. It's like blue cheese and olive all in one. (laughs) they, they They should sell blue cheese just jammed with gin then. Brian, have you ever eaten a blue cheese olive? I don't like two of my bugaboos are blue cheese and olives. So <laughs> really, I don't like I, olives. I wish I liked olives. Like if 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 you give me a black and blue burger, I'll eat the blue cheese. But I'll never actually order blue cheese, and I don't like olives. Wow! That, I just I don't like Bloody wow. Marys. I don't like Loads. lamb, and I don't like olives. Those are my Damn. those are it right there. Those listeners don't know that we grew up together, and we had to make the blue cheese dressing. At the restaurant we grew up in. Ah. And so Brian probably hates blue cheese olives because his hands, after making the blue cheese dressing, smelled like blue cheese for about 10 years. Yeah. yeah. When we, so Nick and I, we actually like, we became like, you know, really close friends when we started, you know, working together at this restaurant. And the things that we did there, when you look back in terms of (laughs) the extremely (laughs) lax, hygienic rules that were in place there so we would have to make like tuna fish like tuna salad like buckets of it and they're like dude should we use rubber gloves they're like nah why would you do that it's a waste of money it's you're just a waste like, of time and money you're just getting these big industrial commercial cans of tuna and just throwing them in this bucket and then just these big again commercial things of mayonnaise and dumping it in this bucket and putting your hands in there and mixing it up and hearing that 
<laughs> the best part is the person that's ordering that is like, can I have a little bit of tuna? It's just this little bit of tuna. Like, you have no idea what I did to this tuna before. Sorry, sweetheart. There's no, there's no mixing that up. And there's it's just no like, coming, there's no comeback from that. It's not as tasty as it was last week. <laughs> well, I guess I didn't have other things in my fingernails last week. <laughs> That's the the worst part of this is there were customers that did that that walked in. Can I get a little bit of tuna? So yeah, is it tuna fresh? Oh yeah, yeah, it's always fresh. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Who's yeah. gonna say no? You go in a place, I have tuna fish to order. You're gonna say no? It's fucking old. Please don't order it. Like, of course you're gonna say yes. It's divine. I assure divine. you. Just eat it. Just eat it and shut the hell up. Yeah, it's Jersey, so- right? A lot of a lot of mayonnaise based things that we made with our bare, disgusting <laughs> teenage hands. <laughs> How would tuna and and tail of ham go? I'd be f- delicious if you're going alphabetically. But that's about <laughs> it. <laughs> that's the T section. You got a, a tea sandwich today. Give me a double T. You got it, bro. <laughs> but you could reserve the tuna as albacore. Boom! You get the A's. Extra fancy. Interesting. How many people on this podcast understand what Taylor ham is? I mean, that's one of the most gotcha. foods that ever existed, and yet probably most people listening to you guys have no idea what Taylor ham is. They may so know what, and even last know what pork roll is. Yeah, but that's a downgrade, right? Like we're talking. I, no, I think it's just a local thing. I think I actually, so well, the pork t- roll is the, is that's the universal one. So everybody knows it is Taylor pork roll, but everybody says Taylor ham. So you go out someplace, you get, give me Taylor ham, egg and cheese. So now, yeah. So in Seattle, roll. does that even exist? No, no, you couldn't find, it doesn't, you could not. So in Southern California, you could actually go to the deli and say, I need a quarter pound of Taylor ham and they would special order it. And it would actually come wrapped with the Taylor label on it. Nice. That's real Taylor ham. In a quarter. Uh, actually, I think it was a one pound, one pound. So you had to buy one pound at a time, like perfectly wrapped. Like So what's the downside from- of that? <laughs> no, it was amazing. It changed my life. I kept it in my fridge all the time. Don't get me wrong. Awesome. Um, here, they do not offer it. You could not find it here. There, there's no option for Taylor ham. Is there an online retail that might be able to get you some Taylor ham? Yeah. So I'm setting up, it's called nickmeats.com. Um, Alexa, order me some Taylor ham. ham. There's actually a minor league baseball team in New Jersey called the Trenton, or I think the Thunder they're called these days. But they do um, because, you know, under, minor, minor league is trying to add a little bit of flair, get more people to show up. They do these like little wacky nights every Friday where the team has a different name. And the Jersey Trenton team actually calls themselves the pork rolls on Friday nights. <laughs> <laughs> Friday night home games. They're the, they're the Trenton pork rolls. Oh, do they serve pork roll? Like sandwiches they the just sell time? it by default. But no. <sighs> Taylor ham is the common name for pork roll, a food developed by John Taylor of Trenton, New Jersey, late in the 19th century. Boom. So like Taylor ham is like the Kleenex. Nice. Of pork roll. It's a Kleenex of pork, (laughs) the Q-tip of pork roll. The Q-tip, if you will. (laughs) If you will. So we had a layover in, um, in Newark when we went up to Burlington and I got Taylor ham, egg and cheese. Had Melanie ever experienced it? Melanie never had it at the airport. That's the only thing I could get. I was like, you know what? 
at least I can get a Taylor ham, egg and cheese. So I got a Taylor ham, egg and cheese and I shared it with my lovely lady that was never had it before. She's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Why are you so happy about it? I'm like, she's like, it's going to clog your arteries. I'm like, it's good. And she had it. She's like, yeah, it's pretty good. So yeah, was I- it like up to standard? I'm just curious because I avoid Newark like the plague. So no, they have uh it depends which, which gate you're going out of, like which, um, area you're in and they have like this um they got regular jersey stuff there so if you're if you're flying through newark and you're in there you can get real tail ham and they know what it is they actually have a um the game has changed yeah so there's two different gates uh one of them has a it's like a diner in there. And the other one has like a, uh, it's called Jersey something. It's like a diner ish kind of thing. Um, and both of them serve like the little kiosk thing now, cause it's all kiosk. Now you got to sit near it. And then those guys serve you and you can order Taylor ham, egg and cheese, the legit stuff. So all the renovations have come true. All the dreams. <laughs> you basically don't have to talk to anybody anymore. Yeah, in a Jersey in an airport. This is fantastic. So let me exactly. say, so the I'm town. So, sick. <laughs> so I've I've been living here in my you know, where I live now for the last two years. Well, not year and a half actually. And I uh, finally a couple weeks ago went to like Red Bank is like the the little the fun little town just you know, 10 minutes yeah. down the road and there's a road that i didn't even know i never even went down there's like the main street and there's like an, another kind of you know road that kind of runs perpendicular and there's a road that runs parallel that i'd never been down and i went down it and there is a brewery there that's actually pretty Ooh. good what? and there's a store what? called johnny pork rolls and coffee too <laughs> oh I'm Tell like, me to make it a ham, oh, Taylor ham, egg and cheese. How that. did I not know this existed? Like, I just, I'm just so clueless, I guess. But I was like, this is, this road is just like, like this street is pretty much like every Bruce Springsteen song. Like, just, <laughs> just like a, a collage of what they would be. Fantastic. But Brian, you have to admit that there's something, so growing up doing what you and I did, like working in the restaurants in New Jersey, something about that awesome cup of coffee with a pork roll sandwich that is just life changing. Yeah. You know, I remember those, there was mornings where I would just go in. I think like there'd be Saturdays we'd work and we'd go to the gym in the morning. Then we'd go to, to work. And I remember just taking a hard roll and just taking like eight slices of bacon, and just sticking it on that roll and just eating it. Mm. And be yeah. like, this is a fine breakfast. So the beauty of pork roll is it's kind of like you chopped up bacon and put it into like, Something that doesn't string, like so bacon can get a little bit stringy, but pork roll doesn't get stringy. You just kind of eat it and it's like it's all good. It's like it's like cohesive, like throughout the whole circle of pork that you have on your That's, sandwich. Yeah, because bacon it's got different territories. You know, you got the fatty part, you got the lean part. It's almost like you chop that all up together, put some filler in there. So yeah, it's consistent against your entire sandwich. Every bite, the same amount of like bacon. Of goodness, yeah. I'm, my mouth's watering right now. Mine is kind of too, to be honest. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie, guys. I've never been more hungry. <laughs> <laughs> the best part of getting the whole little little um, thing of pork roll, the little whatever you want to call it. The, the log. The log of, of <laughs> roll. You can cut like any thickness you want. Like when they do the, you know, when you get it like in the in the package and it's already cut, like you got to put like three pieces of pork roll on one sandwich. Now you can make like, 
a really thick one if you have if you want to cut it yourself. Do you have pork roll glue? Stick them together. What? There's a a thick pork roll. Apparently, there's rolling glue, right? We saw on the gingerbread guy. So there's got to be pork roll glue. That's right. Yeah. Oh, that's that's for a different segment. But if you use some of the resin from (laughs) cannabis, you could like stick it all together and make this like weed glue for your pork roll. Weed and then you just you just you're just winning winning life at that point. Well, at that point, you're really doing pork roll. No, you're connecting dots. I mean, you eat, you smoke weed, you eat pork roll. You're just it solves itself. You're pretty much Neo at that point. Yeah, you just you know know what all hinges on? Have good bread though. Good bread. Well, if you don't have good bread, that fucks it all up. True, Mario. How's the bread in Florida? Actually, oddly enough, so there's no little bakeries, right? Which kind of blows my mind. The only place that makes good bread, big mega chain uh, supermarket, Publix. Wonder. They actually have <laughs> like a whole bakery thing. They actually make pretty good bread and cakes. I'm like, it's just weird to me. I'm like, so what you get though out of them is you get solid bread, solid cakes, whatever. They're very good. But you don't get like, oh, I like the, you know, the pork roll at this place or the, uh, the, you know, the, the cannolis at this place, you don't get that. You get like, man, eh, they make really good bread and cakes and that's it. See, all we have Pastries now. It, huh? we don't have the East coast bread. That's the one thing I'm going to say about the West coast is, uh, we have, uh, Artisanal admiration bread? of your bread and then wow. nothing else. it's, uh, we have great sourdough. If you like sourdough, the bread is fantastic. I've never been a big sourdough fan. Like, there's an art to it, and I respect it. I just, I'm not a big sourdough guy. And the yeah, starters from like 150 years ago? In the East Coast, you've got 20 kinds of bread. You've got rye. You've got Italian crusty bread. You've got baguettes. Yeah. How do you have sourdough? That's, wow. that's it. See, down here, there's so many transplants from up north that they actually, like, Publix has this massive baking school that they send their their people to and they actually like have actual bakers in all of their their chain stores so what they did was they took the little bakery and they blew it out to like we're going to teach you how to be a real baker in your little store because i mean it's cheap to set up a, a company down here but they don't last because people are like i go to Publix and they make good bread you know it's and like that's costco, what costco effect they do that with like exactly. everyone buys cakes from costco because yeah, it's cheap and people are gonna throw it out anyway because yeah. it's cake. <laughs> That's right. And put it down the gullet anyway. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> so believe it or not. I'm, I'm guilty of that too. Yeah. We're still in the app rate today. And my my selection this week. God damn, this is a long is, app This wow. is, is going to be like a 19 Ooh. hour long. This is going to be like a, a stereo <laughs> podcast, you know, where it's like you know, 10 blame, episodes. Blame me. We're going to take no, a little nap. Is, Gonna have a little nap time. This is a wonderful thing. This we're uh, we're uncovering a lot of stuff. We're talking about some cool topics here. But so Mario mentioned he was up in Burlington last weekend before we skied at Killington together, and he was kind enough to get me some beers. And one of the ones he he brought for me, I am drinking right now. It's from the good folks at Foam Brewers at One Twelve Lake Street in Burlington, and it is their bonus track number four. Dude, Which, I didn't try that beer. But it looked awesome. That place was fucking great. You gotta, you gotta visit. I'm glad it's a I great told you place. that. And I told you last time I was in Burlington, I had a choice between going to Foam and going to the Growler Garage, and I chose the Growler Garage, and I have regretted it for the last. I passed two the years. Growler Garage, and I was like, 
<laughs> I spit on you for Brian. Yeah, and I got a Citizen Cider. That's what I got there. I'm like, I can get that anywhere. I went to Citizen Cider. That was pretty awesome. Their ciders are awesome. But again, I didn't I I denied myself foam brewers because I got that said cider at the growler garage, which was a dumb choice. Dude, the best part of that was there is like it was like a cool swanky, like they had a nice it was weird. Like so the bar was like you could tell it was like made out of concrete that they poured and they had like these lights in it, like built in. And it was like a seventies party going on. And they had these guys just jamming on a little, like some dude jamming on the bass, like a little goatee going. It was fucking great. It was precious, precious dude. Yeah. So I'm glad that, that place, I'm glad you guys went there and this beer is awesome. It's like a nice hazy IPA. It's part of the, I guess they have the whole thing called the bonus track series. They do a couple different versions of it, uh, but this is the number four and it's, you know, got that citrusy IPA flavor to it. Uh, it's unfiltered, it's hazy and it's really, really tasty. So thank you foam for making it. And Mario, thank you for getting it for me. Dude. Thank you for the recommendation. See, it's a thank you. And you know, Nick, thank you for letting Brian understand really good beer. How about that? Buford. I love that little doggy. <laughs> He's not a little dog. So what is dog. How, how big is Buford? Like about 120 pounds? Yeah, so sorry for everybody who can't see that, but yes, my dog just made an appearance on the... Uh, on the <laughs> you got to send us a picture so you can put it on Instagram because that dog is awesome. He He's actually very healthy at about 106. Um, <laughs> he's a great Pyrenees, uh, Stafford mix. So you can... So he's half American Pitbull. Oh, I'm sorry, English Pitbull. And then half... Um, Great Pyrenees, which is the French dog for guarding sheep or something like that. Big as hell. Um, we rescued him, and he's been the most incredible dog ever. He's been nice to everybody and everything. Um, he's a good doggy. He's pretty much the best dog you could ever hope for. <laughs> so go out there and rescue a dog. Anybody who's listening to this, this is also we could not have rolled the dice better. This is an amazing turnout. Like I was telling Nick before, like if that dog didn't like you, he would eat you, but he likes everybody. (laughs) He likes everybody and everything. Like he's just good dog. Text little dogs. Little dog comes in and is like, I'm going to form a perimeter, make sure no wolves get him. (laughs) (laughs) The only thing I watch out for with with Buford is that you probably should wear a cup or a cod piece. Because he likes the crotch region. He's a happy dog and his tail is like right at like the average height to like, you know, there's like a, a range of like probably four like inches up and down. Like, and his tail can just cover that entire range with like again, he's happy. Like, hey, Brian, you standing it. He's happy, so he's his tail's always with wagging. With the hands on your hips, and he's just like, God damn, dog, just, you got me. Just wagging away. Just happy yeah. as happy as anything, just nailing your uh your manhood. But oh yeah, million million so many times it's disturbing. <laughs> it's like in um depends on your height. <laughs> what was that Da Vinci Code? The guy was like always smacking himself. Like uh, what was that religious cult they were part of? Oh the yeah, um the, the Catholics, right? There's some like super oh. like the Green Berets of Catholics. Oh the um Opus Day. Opus Day. Yeah, they just like smacked themselves in the nuts without that that rope. Oh yeah, he had the, the the spikes on it. It was like hit him yes. in the back. It's crazy mm-hmm. shit. Yeah. Um, just 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 for cover, I I was raised Catholic, so I'm allowed to say that. Yeah, I was too. So I was as well. I think we all were. Yeah. 
So Buford, you put that little spike on there. It's like hope is dead. <laughs> there you go. Smacking you around, smacking all over. That's, like, that's your penance. You put a leather that's mask on him. You can have like a little S and M dog if you really want to get weird. <laughs> yeah, it's not getting weird now. <laughs> God dang it, Alexa, order doggy ball gags. <laughs> Should I order six again? Make it twelve. <laughs> Keep the same order. Keep the standing order. Yeah. <laughs> you already have a subscription that's coming tomorrow. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> we have what this on auto deliver. <laughs> Do you want to change your auto delivery? <laughs> oh, that's horrible. It's been a God damn, this is the best operate ever. Cold month. We better add some more, Alexa. <laughs> I'm glad B for joining the podcast. Yeah, rescuing some dogs. Yeah. Sorry about that. I wish he had more to say. Oh, he's a good doggy. You got to take a picture of him, send him to us. We'll put him on Instagram. Oh, everybody would love Buford. He's a famous dog, though. Like he was actually with the Seattle Seahawks. Yes, he was. Um, right before he was rescued, he was the show dog for the Seattle Seahawks. And then there's a big event here in Seattle called Tuxes and Tails, which is their, the big charity event for rescue dogs. We're actually the number one city for rescue dogs in the country. And okay. they put on every year called Tuxes and Tails. And hey, Portland. He was. So, hey, Portland. <laughs> yeah. The kicker at the time. Uh, walked Buford down the aisle when Buford was four years old and we rescued him the next day. We had no idea who he was, just dumb luck. Uh-huh. We got the first. Uh, we had seen a picture of him. We liked big dogs. We showed up and we got Buford first and we've been with him ever since. And he has been probably the best. Do- I've owned a lot of dogs. Um, the best dog I've ever owned. Uh, nice, sweet, wouldn't harm a fly. And he's a rescue. And he came from a really awful situation. So I love the fact that you can kind of push, sell a little bit like rescuing a dog because this dog can improve your life and be an amazing part of it. And he came from the worst situation imaginable. And now he's just the best dog imaginable. He's a great dog, though. I guess. Yeah, he really is. Most of you hard. have met him. You know how great he is. You can back me up on this. And he's, he's intimidating, too. When you first meet him, you're like, this dog is, like, gigantic. And the just best like, about meeting him was Brian husband. was in front of me. I was like, he's going to eat through before he gets to Because he didn't know us. And he's like, rough, rough. He just likes to bark sometimes. And he's like, rough, rough. I'm like, yeah, he's going to eat through Brian. Like, I got some time. <laughs> You know, time to bail out. But again, you got to cover your your region. You got to block. Like, oh. We're still talking APRE. And the first article, we got a little story here, and it is the state of craft beer. So this is actually a pretty cool article. It's got some great infographics, and it talks about... You infographics. Know, you like the infographics. I'm a I big like fan of the infographics. Talk about the economic impact per state. But again, we've talked about it at nauseum already. The number one, the craft beer capital of the U.S., good old Vermont, the Green Mountain State. It is home to 11.5 breweries per capita. Per capita. Per capita, which produce 151.2 pints per 21 plus adult. So there is a lot of beer per person there in the good state of Vermont. Number two, let's give you the top five. Vermont, Montana, 
kind of surprising, but I guess maybe the Montana so few people that the per capita is a little easier to match. Maine, Oregon, Colorado. Look at that. Wow. What a coincidence. All five are awesome ski states. So are you saying there's a correlation between beer, craft beer, and skiing? Um, I would until I saw the bottom results and again, uh, well well there's there's did they do the did they do the uh last election numbers <laughs> no you know what it is it's not even it's not even it's it's really the outlier so the worst states for craft beer mississippi georgia alabama oklahoma louisiana texas new jersey utah hmm. but again you have epic skiing in utah but you still have that weird mormon 3.2% alcohol beer. Yeah, the 3.2. Now that now the um DWI laws. The DWI laws are uh 0. 0.5. Five. Yeah. Crazy. Like yeah. Half, like you can have but one they beer. Also, they legalize pot in the same breath. Well, yeah. they they legalize medical there. Medical. Yeah. But now they're like because again, it's Utah and the freaking Mormons are like so they the people well, voted, just like New Jersey, you could legalize medical, it doesn't mean anybody's going to be able to get it. Well, no, it's worse though because they legalized it in Utah for medical and then the the politicians are like, "Well, you know, yeah, you guys voted on that, but we're going to yeah, change some things." On it. It's yeah. like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, dickheads." You know, this is not what people voted for. You, they voted you in to do a job, and then they voted for this because they want this to be legalized. This is not your say to go and start dicking around with stuff now, which is so, what they're always trying to do. Let me ask you both a question: If the people vote in something, right, and then the people that were elected to put it into action don't make that happen within a certain amount of time, don't you think they should be held criminally accountable? Yes, they should be. That's what I'm saying. No, I'm uh, at least fired. Like, exactly. At bare minimum, fired. Boom. New election or fired, whatever you want to do. Remove yep. between elections, right? Exactly. Yeah. Because they're not doing what they should do. Like, it's just, I could understand if they were putting together something, they were going to go to the Senate and the House and whatever, and they do their political muck muck. But these people voted on shit. Like, you put it, they voted, you put it to them to vote, put it into, into law. Like, I don't, I don't understand why it's so hard. The only thing that gives me pause over that is like what happened with Brexit. Like they put it to the people and the people are stupid. (laughs) Hey, you know, the best part of that. Mario, remember talking to that chick at the bar? Yep. About Brexit. She was a, she was a British citizen and you and I are sitting at the bar just having some whiskeys innocently. We don't want to, we don't want to talk politics. And we got into a political conversation with a chick from England in Canada, about yeah, in Canada, yeah, yeah, it was weird. And the best part is, we're like looking at each other, like I think we know more about this situation than she does. <laughs> oh, no, no, no question. <laughs> so she's just hanging out. Like I was like, what? Hey, she brought she brought it up. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So these these numbers definitely correlate beer to awesome skiing because you know again i read off the top five but i'm reading off the top 10 so these are correlation breweries per capita and we got vermont montana maine oregon colorado alaska washington wyoming Mm. new hampshire idaho all amazing skiing all have tons of beer like there's definitely some sort of connection between beer and mountains and skiing and happiness and joy and not having a commute. Not and, joy. 
working in a cubicle and being an asshole. Yeah, no. Just think about how you guys act differently when you're in the mountains, right? Oh, yeah. You behave differently, right? You have to. I mean, I think one of the things, too, is, you know, again, I, I work right across from New York City and everything is new and knocking something down and putting something up and oh this this place has a cronut and this place has this amazing fusion <laughs> this amazing fusion of you know scandinavian food and spanish food and it's all just like everything is just temporary and quick and knock it down and put it up and what's this new pop-up stand everything is quick and what's popular now and fancy like, it, it's it, things all are all made it's all made by pedro going yeah what, i didn't wash all, my hands it's all just quick and it's but when you go to the mountains you're like if you really take a second to look at it and appreciate it, you go, holy shit, this has been here for millions of years before me. It's going to be here millions of years after. There's a real, it's a, it's extremely humbling when you're out yeah, there. Humbling is, is a good yeah, I, I think you've catch, captured my point exactly. Is it's just living in, a, in an up and coming boom city as well, just like you guys do. Just everything in the city is just moving too fast and nobody's paying attention to actually the quality of what's being created. And when you step outside that, and I'm very fortunate to say I can step outside of an hour and a half and I'm there, everything slows down to what it should be. And God, the taco truck at the base of Crystal Mountain is freaking amazing restaurant. Nobody gives them credit for that. Actually, no. Okay, a lot of people give them credit for that. This is a pretty badass taco truck. <laughs> There's a taco truck at the base of Crystal Mountain and it's, life-changing to ski all morning for four hours then go grab a taco from this guy who's the nicest guy in the world and listen i've had so many great meals just sitting there eating tacos in the sun and then we drive home back to the city back to the bustle back to the abyss but those few hours away from this mess are the best of the week it's it's an insane thing i think what people are in awe of is you're in a big city, you see stuff going on and it's great what we can create, right? Like we've created something that wasn't there before. So we're amazed at it because it's amazing. But then you go out in nature and you're just like, holy shit. Like we could never create something like this because this is here. It's real. It's been here forever, like you said, and you can never recreate that. So you go visit it and then you go home to something that you create that is a lesser version of that. And it's like, it's incredible because you're like, that's why I think that's why we're in awe. Like you go to these mountains, like I sat on a mountain, like I, I've shared pictures with people of places I've been. I'm like, you have no idea. I got vertigo when I took this picture because it was just like, I was never in that much open space, like in my entire life. Like when are you challenged to that point where in your entire life, you've never seen something like that. Like you get that in nature, but you don't get that in your regular life. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think to like, you know, again, work, Again, New York City is the example I always use, but there's such a a turnover. Everything is you know, nothing is good enough there. Everything's got to be well. We need a bigger storefront. We need a bigger high rise. We need a, a larger tower. And it's it's everything is nothing is ever good enough because everyone's trying to. It's almost a time someone's trying to prove something there. But again, yeah. is anyone going? You know, what? we need a bigger Matterhorn. 
No one's saying that. What? We need you know, a bigger Mount you know, Rainier. Really, no one is saying that. Would be good if we shaved a little bit off, and made it a little steeper. Like no. Well, let's circumcise the Matterhorn. Let's just <laughs> clean up the tip a little bit, make it a little more <laughs> presentable. Solamente you know? el tipo. Like there's just again, like it's just it's it's so ridiculous to say it. But you know what? I'm if you're in the city, they're gonna do that to everything. They're going to change it. They're going to modify it. They're going to tweak it because nothing's ever good enough. But when you go to the mountains, you just you you couldn't even conceive of even thinking that because, again, this was formed over millions of years of just of storms and meteors and water passages, like just the amount of, of what's caused it to come to this point to be what it is right now. We take it for granted but I think a lot of us that are do appreciate the mountains and the spear of the mountains just really just take a, can take a step back and look at that and just, yeah, really appreciate where you are when you're there because it's, it's, it, you can't fake it. You can't make that it's sort everywhere. of experience. You start realizing it's everywhere. Like, so nature doesn't give a fuck. Nature's nature. Right. So like you go to the mountains, avalanche, nature doesn't care. That's what, that's what it does. It's awesome. It's, it's, incredibly destructive but incredibly beautiful right like I'll, I'll go out on like when i go on my cousin's boat i'm a little bit freaked out because i'm like this entire ocean could swallow up all the shit that we built like houses everything just swallowed up in like a second it doesn't care it's not going to have feelings it's not going to say oh i got to file a fucking accident report or an insurance claim like it doesn't care about anything it's nature you know and like we're here because it lets us be here. And that's what people don't realize. You know, I just enjoy it. I think what you guys are getting at that maybe you're not calling it is that you're actually naturalists. So you're not environmentalists that that has a different terminology. There's, there's a bunch of names for things. I hate naming things. I really do, but you're naturalists. You're basically saying is like, nature's going to take its course no matter what. And and we're the ride avalanches happen uh you know even when i was a big surfer surfing every day big waves happen i mean the more even people if you're not there I have happen. It, you know yeah. um the avalanches that we've been seeing the last couple of weeks they claim lots like this is the reality of life we're very tiny beings on a very big place and you're natural how how small do you feel like I feel so small when I'm out in nature and you feel so much bigger. Like I can control the world in my life when you're like in the, in the big city, you know, I agree with you, but at the same time, I'd always prefer to feel small. I don't know about yeah. you guys, but I love the feeling. That's one of the reasons that Wolf Creek is still my, my home mountain. The place I always want to go is I can see stars at Wolf Creek. <laughs> nice. Like I love that place. I will never be happier than I am at Wolf Creek. Like I can disappear into the Southern San Juans and there's nothing out there. It's paradise. Um, nothing like that. I was just there a few uh, last month and you can see every star in the world, wake up and ski a place that doesn't have a hotel within 40 miles of either end of the mountain. There's no place else like that in the world right now. Well, no, no ski through Starbucks? No, not a guy. <laughs> like a heated lift? Uh, like a heated, oh, wait, heated wait, bubble lift? This guy just opened that, the most advanced lift in the world. Like, widest seats, heated, everything. Oh, the one at Big Sky? Yeah, I, yeah, I don't want to talk trash about Big Sky because I actually really like what it's they're doing. Sweet but we're in Killington, and they had the bubble lift down. 
And the one guy, he was a mountain um, ambassador ambassador. And he was saying, Oh, they're installing the heated poles. Like, I guess they're going to have a heated grip pole, like throughout the whole lift. And I'm like, that's a lot. I'm like, I'll take the comfort. Like, I'm not going to say, no, I'd rather be colder. Like, but I'm like, at what point do we stop? Like, do we have to have TVs and shit now? Like Wi-Fi? Like what, where do we stop? Where do we draw the line and say, no, you're out. This is a the minimum point that you can be in nature, right? Like, I don't know. Does it really enhance your experience if you have that stuff? And you know, it's it's starting to get it's to the point where fuck. yeah, it would. Well, you know, yeah. it was. It was <laughs> I'm just saying, it, it's cold. Well, it was fuck. what? It, it was would. five. Was it five degrees for the high that day? It was five single digits. I can yeah. understand it on single digit day, but when it's ten degrees, well, no, no, fuck but, that. But you don't need. But that. no, you were making the comment. I know you were joking, but like the comment about like having like TVs in there. And yeah. like, yeah, it, it gets to the point. It's like, well, why even come? You know, just go play the video like game, man. Exactly. Yeah. Honestly, I've made some of the best connections in the skiing world, climbing a lift when it's like negative 40 wind chill, <laughs> watching some little kid drop a cliff that I'm too old to drop. <laughs> those, those are when I make my connection skiing. I did that at Whistler a couple times this year. Little kids diving off of cliffs. Wind starts to howl off a of Whistler Peak. You guys have been up that lift. That thing's insane. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you start talking to the guy next to you. He's like, oh, that's Danny G. He's about to drop the coffin. And, like, <laughs> and, like, and these guys are like, wait, who are you? And they're like, oh, me and Tommy Moe did that last week. You know Tommy Mo. I know Tommy Moe. Uh, like, those are the moments you have. Shout out to Tommy Moe. Oh, yeah. Right. Todrillo, we gotta get there. Gotta get there. Alaska, you guys haven't skied Alaska yet, have you? No, we're doing that next year, man. You're invited. It's cool. It's gotta do it. Gotta do it. If you don't do it now, just be a year older when you do. Boom, Warren Miller. I like it. Dropping the Warren. Breaking out the big mill. So we got one more story, Mary. You want to take this one? Goddamn, near and dear to your heart. One. So Bud Light, so they they announced they announced that they're going to do the nutrition label on their cartons, and they're saying it could shake up the craft beer uh, world because what happens is so all these big brands they water it down to like you know being almost like a beer but a soft drink because it's like low alcohol and like uh, low calorie. So now if you start, I guess this is their ploy now. So it's it's kind of like I guess a good marketing ploy, but now it makes you start thinking about just in general what you're drinking and what you're consuming. So they'll put stuff, you know, calorically what you're consuming, but they're actually saying like in this article, they, they have a, an example of some of the craft beers. So instead of like 95 calories in like a Bud Light, you're going to be talking about like 210 calories in like a craft beer. So when you do the That's double fine. IPAs, you're going to, I mean, I think we're going to start seeing the numbers. I know, you know, there was an article a few years ago, I think it was in Vice, and it was saying, hey, those double IPAs you love, that's what's giving you mantits. You mantits. And I think when we start seeing those nutritional numbers, it's going to be like, Ooh, I don't know if I should have four double IPAs. I mean, and you know, I, I still think will. about it. I shouldn't, yeah. but I still will. I do it and I think about it and I still consume, but I'm like, yeah, dude, I mean, Think about in general, like we used to, like growing up, we would get beer. Beer was maybe 5%, right? You get an IPAs now, like 
seven up to 10 up to 11 for double like it's crazy we're talking the dogfish 120 center in the basement right now yeah the dogfish 120s what what are they 15 plus at least uh yeah, i think you're right yeah blow your mind yeah and you're talking how many calories are in that so i think it's like um it's weird it's not like a campaign to say they're healthier they're just saying we're gonna do it and i guess part of it is that the fda came out and they said um, they wanted everybody to start putting more labeling on and they voluntarily said, we're going to put it on our, on our stuff. And I'm like, in a way it's a genius marketing campaign by just saying we're going to be transparent. Cause honestly, I don't know. I guess if you don't, if you don't want to have 300 calories, then maybe you shouldn't be drinking that. Beer. <laughs> I mean, maybe you're fat enough. I don't know. Well, it's just almost like it. a, like a reverse marketing campaign for them to do this, you know, because usually you, you put it in there because you want to show off what's in your product. And right. this is almost them doing like, well, this is all we have in our product. Yeah. And like once you get some other, you know, the fancy beers, if they're going to decide to do it, you're going to look at those ingredients and those calories and those numbers. You're going to be like, Ooh, maybe I should just go for the Bud Light, like a race to the bottom, really. So the thing, so here's the thing. So like Bud Light, like Merrill Light, Miller Genuine. So it goes all the way from like 55 calories to like 100, 110, like as the average, right? I think a regular beer is like 110. They're saying Kentucky Breakfast Stout is 340 calories. Uh, Breakfast Stout, 270. Dirty Bastard, 270. A Porter is about 230. Centennial, the founders of Centennial, 220. So it's kind of like... It's just like, uh, you know, I guess, I don't know, maybe, I think this is a ploy by women to get the guys less fat, just saying. So really, Nick, you're Gibson. <laughs> That's probably the healthiest drink of the three of, it's of probably us probably the right healthiest now. drink. Because it's yeah. just gin, a whisper of vermouth, and an onion. And, and no, like, no corruption whatsoever. That's right. And you know what? He's keeping his man card, too. He's not compromising on, compromising on some stupid like beer. He's like, no, this is my man card. I'm I'm drinking a freaking real drink. And no man tits. <laughs> like the IPAs have. <laughs> no need for bro eventually. <laughs> the man's <Or> here. <laughs> All right. So that was a long apre today segment, but that was okay because it was glorious and wonderful. And we un- unlocked a lot of information there. All right, so let's take a quick ride. Let's get into the Genjula. And we have a special Bean of the Week this week. Our pal Frank, he was just out in Aspen, and he he sent us over some, some awesome pictures. And he had a special recommendation for us for his bean. And this is not a regular strain of cannabis like we've had in the past, but this is a very special... It's the Crescendo Collection, which is a six-piece truffle collection with three different flavors, 10 milligrams of THC each. This was named the 2016 High Times Colorado Cannabis Cup winner, first place, best edible. And it has a few different flavors. So you have a white chocolate filled with fresh lemon and a hint of juniper berries. Personal favorite. The excitement grows with milk chocolate steeped with Earl Grey tea leaves and sweetened with Colorado honey. And at the peak of this grand crescendo, a luscious caramel spiked with Malden salt crystals. 
I don't know about you, but I think I need a cigarette after reading that. And a little bit of Kenny G. A lot of sexy, a lot of sexy. We should have Kenny G playing in the background. I mean, sweetened with Colorado honey. Damn. God dang. That was sweetened with a little high flute and ski bums coming right, right at you. That was mm-hmm. nice. Um, so Frank, thank you. I loved your pictures from Aspen. Looked like a great trip. Yes. And yes, of course, all the dumb and dumber jokes had to be made. They had to. He must work out. <laughs> Look at the oh, blood on with that. His kids. Yeah, uh, looks like he's having a good ass time. Yeah, We're Frank. Good ass time, man. Yeah. Frank, as a uh, you know, him and I had a little inside joke before. I'm like, he's pretty much him and Dan Bilzerian are the uh, no one's crushing <laughs> it more than those two. <laughs> yeah. If you don't follow Dan Bilzerian on Instagram, and you're a guy, I don't know why you're not. You know why you're on Instagram? It, why? It's, it's one of those things. It's like, do you want someone to inspire you? Uh, does the 16 year old you need inspiration? Then follow him. If you really are yeah. just a, if you're, if you hate your place in life, don't follow him because you'll just off yourself tomorrow. Yeah. You'll be jealous and just off yourself. It's, it's, it's good and bad. Yeah. But yeah, he's For those of us that don't listen to him. Why is that? Well, well he's listen, just, just following. Yeah. You just kind of watch what he does and it's pretty much always just tons of hot women and he's either, you know, on an awesome yacht or sweet cars, or this one was in him in park city with all these just girls in bikinis jumping in the snow for him. So I don't know if he's just giving tons of Coke or if he's just filthy rich. Like I really don't understand or both. <laughs> or both why he can do what he does, but it is just awesome. So does it end in consequences or never? No, yeah. that's the thing. It just is like, where are we going next week? He just wow. somebody gets mad at him. He just changes him out. He's he's the man with the money. He's pretty yeah, much he, he he pretty much found the cheat code to life. Mm. Yeah, he did the Konami code in life, and now he's just like, yeah, this is how I this is how I roll. This is how I operate. There's another guy just lived through. You know, that's kind of kind of wrong. I like it. So Frank and Dan both crushing it. Boom. All right. So next up in the uh, gondola. So we have cannabis is going to survive the apocalypse. So if there's a zombie apocalypse, a real apocalypse, whatever kind of apocalypse you're worried about, weed is going to survive. And we're talking about cannabis in all forms, talking about hemp and cannabis. So the seed bank that they have in Norway, it's a Norwegian seed bank. I forgot where it is. I saw this on Vice. They were talking about, it was the banana episode that I talked about uh, at length one time. Svalbard. (laughs) The Svalbard oh. Global Seed Vault. And that's where Norway? Or? Norway, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they have this big seed bank, and there's like, uh, apparently there's a few seed banks. I think there's like five or six around the world. And what they do is they get the seeds, and like if you're a farmer and you have like original seed, um, you send it to them and they'll store it like for posterity, which is pretty amazing. They like ask for people to send them like seed. So this came up, uh, I saw it on the Vice thing because they were talking about the Monsanto thing, like getting into like regular crops. And they were like, no, we have like the original seed in the seed bank. And they said, there's been situations where they've had to go back in our modern time into the seed bank and get seed because like it was lost. So they're saying now, like it's in this big seed vault. So seed for uh, marijuana and hemp. Uh, 31 strains of marijuana and eight strains of hemp are in the vault. So good to know. The apocalypse happens. I love how they say there's 29,500 marijuana seeds, and which means there are more <laughs> than 
than the more than the amount of asparagus, blueberry, or raspberry seeds stored at the facility. <laughs> We've prioritized our our seed configuration here. And now, finally, let's go to ski news. All right, so the dogs are out. So the dogs from all over the country are going to Utah for avalanche rescue training. So um, it's adorable and badass at the same time. It's great. Like it's great to know like dogs that are trained are going out to help train other people and other dogs. So um, there are people, uh, Wasatch Backcountry Rescue, they've been training dogs for years, uh, more than 40 years, and they're actually going out and they're trying to help backcountry people and skiers uh, in need. So they're actually deploying them, which is pretty cool. So right now there's a ton of snow. And while we all love a ton of snow, a ton of snow brings a lot of like other problems with it. So we're glad, thankful, and grateful that these dogs are trained and that the people are training them. And they're pretty amazing. Like there's uh, somebody following on Instagram and they keep posting these videos of like these dogs in training. And they have one where they're like walking on these, um, these shells, these, uh, these, these graded shells. Did you see that one, Brian? No. And they're like walking on it and the dog is trusting them to like guide them. And they like jump down and they catch them. But they say like to do that, like if you think about that, that's a pretty big step for an animal to do like on command. So, um, pretty amazing stuff that these, these dogs do. And it's great when you're on the mountain, you see them playing with the, with the, uh, with the ski patrol. So good stuff. Yeah. It's sort of going to be the theme of the next couple segments is the avalanches. Yeah. And the next story, which is not exactly about avalanches, but this was a cool article that powder put out. And it was ski instructors are doing our sport's most important job and that we owe a lot to the most overlooked group of skiers on the mountain. I love this article. I think it's really important. There was one just, I think it's actually really important to acknowledge. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, uh, especially when you look, I think in that article, Brian, you, you've probably read it more recently than I have. There's a little talk about what ski instructors actually make versus what uh they make for the uh resort per se. Did you instruct Yeah, I was a ski instructor, a race coach. I've done a lot of that and it's a selfless uh, thing, right? Like you do it cuz you love it, not because you're getting paid, I, right? I think you do it for survival as well. <laughs> don't get me oh, wrong. Yeah, exactly. I was in grad school, I needed money, don't get me wrong. Um that that at the time 750 an hour was lifeblood. But I, when I um, when I ride the lift at Whistler every other week and I talk to these kids and I hear about what they make, they're making what I made in grad school. Wow. And yet the resort is charging $400 an hour. It's crazy, right? So that stuff messes me up. To think that that kid's making 15 an hour and the resort's making 400 an hour. I understand that there's insurance and it, at places like Whistler, they put a, um, uh, let's call it a homing beacon on the kid's ankle. Your kid will never get lost, but $400 an hour to $15 an hour. There's something objectionable here. Exactly right? Going on there. Yeah. Yeah. The article talks about, I guess, whitefish is the example they're using throughout this article. And it's Tommy like, Moe's hometown. <laughs> nope. It says that instructors earn between 19 and 20 bucks an hour, depending on the number of students in their group. 
how much experience they have, and whether or not they are PSIA certified. By booking a private lesson where the number of clients is capped at five people, instructors tack on 14 bucks per hour. The resort, meanwhile, charges about 500 bucks for a full day private lesson. So, I mean, so I was pretty do that much- math. Yeah. yeah. They're getting slaughtered there. I mean, the mountain is making all the money. The instructors aren't making not even like, what, 10%? Terrible. 20% maybe? Now, and you figure in the cost of insurance. It's expensive. I understand it. It's not $485 an hour. So where is the money going? Yeah, that's that's a great question. We have no idea where it's going. I'm a little bitter. Well, think about it too. I, I mean, I think we should talk about uh, like ski instructor trafficking because that's what it seems like. Well, think <laughs> about, well, think about like as an instructor too. Like you know, you're pretty much becoming a steward for the sport for these little you know, if it's kids or if it's adults, whoever is coming to learn. If you paint the sport as something that's oh, it's so cold and my feet hurt and this is stupid, that's gonna. That's going to be, for someone that's really young, that's really impressionable, that's how they're going to have kind of ha- what they're going to think the sport is. So, you know, again, it's it's something that you do it for a passion. You know, you really have to love it to do it because, again, you're not doing it to get rich. But um, there are some people who can be bad stewards, and that's that's not good for the mountain. It's not good for the sport. It's not good for anybody. Well, they're talking about one example of, you know, again, they're talking about whitefish in this whole article here. And I'm talking about Stacy Bankston, and she has been Bankston? teaching Bankston, B-E-N-G-S-T-O-N, and she's been teaching at Whitefish for 43 years. And it says she has wow. developed all these creative games to help kids figure out how to properly use their bodies on skis and can teach a father of three to overcome his fear on the mountain to be able to ski with his family. And she's the most requested instructor in Whitefish. And, and yet it still makes what? Yeah, maybe 14 bucks an hour. That's actually the oh. next paragraph. Yeah. It's the next paragraph. She she does not make much. Um, and she's like, got to drive 45 minutes to get to the mountain because I'm sure all the real estate that's right near the mountain is completely unattainable. No, it's completely it well because somebody bought it and never actually goes there. As their like, ninth house, yeah. Every two years. Yeah. So I think it's important to talk about too. Like, so after you have an instruction, then you need to tip your, your instructor, right? Pretty well. So, uh, I know we're in Europe, in Europe, like it's a big thing, like certain countries, I know Switzerland or Austria, I think it was Switzerland. Like one of the, one of the customs is if you really like your instructor, you invite them to lunch or you invite them to like after and you buy their drinks and you buy their food and there's no question asked. And that's like your tip. Like to them, it's like a respect thing. They don't care about the money as much. Whereas here, it's like, you need to pay these people pretty well. So you should probably tip them pretty well. It's so funny too, like just in society, how, you know, again, I'm going to be keep trashing New York City because it's, you know, right. You know, you look at people in finance and what are they really bringing to the universe? You know, they're moving around numbers. Fat people. They're making, they're making up a bunch of nonsense. They're creating these these derivative bullshit investments that that screwed over so many people. They're not bringing anything to society, you know. They're, they're yeah, they're not really doing anything. They're just making fake numbers up and moving them around. 
Yeah, and then you have someone like this who's actually helping people and making people's lives better and bringing them into nature. And they're the ones who have to drive 45 minutes, you know, in their probably 10-year-old car because that's all they can afford because they want to keep doing what they love. It's just, it's, it, you know, you get older, you get perspective in life and, and things like this, you just, you don't understand how it became this way, but you just kind of are stuck living with it and dealing with it, even though you kind of want to push off and, and change it, but you well, don't know when, how. When we went up to Whistler with you, it was eye-opening to me because that was the first time I was ever at Whistler. Uh, four bluebird days, I might add, just saying, sunniest place on the fucking earth. Um, <laughs> when we were up there like talking to the people the local people they were like i'm staying in like somebody offered me like 1200 dollars to stay in a living room like with four of the people in the bedrooms like this is the kind of shit they got to deal with because there's no housing there so like you know then they're talking about either driving like two hours from another city or like staying up there and like bunking up with all these it, it's crazy like the, the conditions they live in like they go through a lot of stuff just to like serve you your meal or you know, run the lift, like, and people take that for granted, like very easily. They take it for granted. Mario, you totally beat me to the punch on this one. I was going to say the same thing. It's just repeated trips to, I mean, I grew, I'd like to say I grew up going to Mammoth every weekend. And then now Whistler. Is it the same thing there too in Mammoth? I, I haven't been to Mammoth since I've isn't mammoth, but uh, you and I have both, and Brian as well, have witnessed what's going on. And to watch the housing crisis first person has been startling. And I, I don't know anything else to say, but it's just they can't afford to live where they work, and yet houses sit empty for yeah. months at a time. And when I go to buy a hotel room, I can get one any time of the week. Like I'm a big Marriott member, always have been. Um, and anytime I look, and even the most popular weekend, I can get any hotel room I want, any day of the week, any type of hotel room. There seems to be an imbalance of what's going on. And I realize that they've just realized they can overcharge me and not allow that kid to live anywhere. It, it's become this weird dichotomy but as soon as the economy snaps, it's not going to work out in their favor. Right. It's going to be a fun little thing to watch, but not for either party. So it's kind of an ugly thing. And you it's see, we know it's going to happen. That's yeah. the thing. We know it's going to happen. And we knew it was going to happen the last time. Uh, not sorry, last time. Two times ago when you guys were in Whistler with me having open conversations with the locals, we knew this thing was going to melt down. Yep. Yeah, I love I love we talking to that bartender. I've heard the stories as well as I did. Yeah. Remember we talked to that bartender at the um uh, Garfinkel's and he, Garfinkel, he's, like, yeah. he's like, Yeah, he's like, you know, I just moved into a place here. We're like, oh my God, you're living the dream. And he's like, dude, I was in my car for the last like year. Live I was living fucking out of car. my car. Like that is hardcore. Like how many in, in sub-zero degree temperature? Like that's fucked up. And it wasn't an escalade. It was probably yeah, like a right. like a '92 Corolla or something. With a camper, with a damn like, yeah. yeah. I don't want to break you guys' hearts, but um, remember the guys that used to take us from the hotel to the lift? Those, yeah, those, love those guys. They're all gone. Really? Uh, I'm trying to remember. There was another guy that you guys knew. <laughs> they were so breaking the, our balls that one morning. That was so great. Well, they were brothers, and I remember the guys like I followed my brother here, and they're just driving. He's like living the dream, man. Just driving the freaking van, just. He was so happy. He was a cool guy. 
Lovely. Yeah. So um, the other brother who works at Tapley's, he went back to he went back to Vancouver. All right. Well, good for him. No, think about that statement. Went back to Vancouver. Yeah. Vancouver's not cheap, man. Those guys are. That guy that drove the little thing was pretty. The guy was all, all right. All I'm saying is these were incredible customer service people. They they took great care of us for several years in a row. Yeah. And now they're back working in in a city far away from their dream. They love to ski powder every day. That's a sad thing in my eyes. And the, the people who can to... afford to do it don't appreciate it because they have so much money they can do whatever they want. Right. Yeah. And Nothing. so it's like, oh, if you can afford to buy a million-dollar house in the mountains, well, it's not a million-dollar house anymore. It's a five-million-dollar house. Nobody can afford that. It's It's yeah. gotten... It's insane or it's like, you know, meager. It's just weird. I think you guys actually taught me the term. Uh, sceners, is that what you call Seensters. Yeah. All right, I want to mix that up. So that's one thing that my wife and I have noticed coming up and traveling at Whistler is we absolutely love the mountain. We've gotten fresh tracks on Whistler Peak multiple times this year, which, by the way, is just life-changing. But we go back down to the village. We're walking through. We're trying to go to our hotel. And 90% of the people we walk by do not ski they're there to show their Canadian goose jackets or whatever. It is. Nice. It's a, it's not what I, it's not why I fell in love with the sport. And like at mammoth, this was very different. A, a couple of places, very different. And I call what I've become to call Whistler is the trophy. Uh, Whistler's like a trophy spouse. It's pretty, and the skiing is amazing. Don't get me ever, ever get me wrong. But when you have to kind of walk around town, it's like you're arm in arm with something that's so fake, that's so annoying that it almost makes you want to drive out of town that moment. Mm. Does yeah, that, that, that I we talked about that multiple times. I know manicure. Yeah, and again, like I, I when I first time I went to Whistler, that was when we met up with you guys in like 2013, and I was like completely enamored with the village. I'm like, oh my god, this is so amazing! This is so cool. It was the second or third time is where I was like, all right, this feels gross now. Like now I'm it's because you really you see it for what it is because it's easy to be you know you know captivated and and just you know taken aback by how how grand it is the first time you're there and like you said the mountain is ridiculous like it is it is one of the most fun mountains to ski on that i've ever been on and it, you know the village can never take that away no matter how lame it can get but yeah it just there's it it takes it takes something away from the whole entire experience but you know you're a professional you've been there enough times you kind of know where you can kind of point yourself to to get away from where those people are kind of hanging out and you know, you go to the locals bars, you go to the keg, you go to the places that are still kind of keeping it as real as it can in that sort of environment. Well, actually one of my favorite moments j- j- actually last weekend and Brian, you'd love this cause you know, this guy as well. Uh, and so would you Mario, our favorite bartender at uh, the brick house. We walked mm-hmm. in and he goes, Nick, Liz, welcome back. Ah, nice. So I said, and then the um, the, they had the the singer there playing live music, and she goes, 
I just want to tell everybody at this bar, you probably new to this town. The best bartender in this town is that guy right there. Nice. And so we got to hang out with our favorite person. He, that brick house is solid. I love that place. That's so a great spot. Steve's an, an amazing bartender. But yeah. the fact that he looked at us and said, Nick, Liz, how you doing? Welcome back. Uh, so this is actually something we've been talking a lot. So we <laughs> went to Mammoth for eight years. Mammoth's my favorite mountain to this day. Whistle's the trophy. Mammoth is still my like my favorite mountain. Your high school sweetheart. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Actually, that's a good, that's a good, uh, I like that. Um, and then Wolf Creek is a slow burn. I'm going to marry this bitch someday. The girl yeah. next door. Someday. The one, is, is she the one that got away that you keep trying for? <laughs> uh, no, I think I actually have already married Wolf Creek and we've got a long relationship going on. So you have an open relationship. <laughs> It's a mistress. <laughs> <laughs> ah, the mistress of Wolf Creek. Whistler, okay. Whistler's like a high-end hooker. You just hire like <laughs> once a year. That's right. That bitch is going around like we got it like, you know, on on schedule. I'm coming in around, you know. She's like a Heidi Fleiss hooker. <laughs> yeah. Be there at 4 p.m. <laughs> That's right. And then be there again the next day at like 5 <laughs> Um. <laughs> Well, wow, this got a little real. I don't know no, what we're talking so, about now. Okay, so, wait, wait so if you were if you were to create the perfect, so if you're a high class hooker, where would you be? Wolf so or if, <laughs> if if you were creating the perfect mountain and either town or like environment, you know, base area, how what would you create? Like, what would be your your perfect mountain and you know base around it? Oh, I got a perfect so, answer. I'm gonna let you guys go. Classic uh, company that I come from, question back kind of interview. Can I ask you questions back? Of course. All right. So how wealthy am I? Ah, that's That always complicates things, right? Yeah. Um, that's the first question. Yeah. Um, all right. You know what? Let's, let's start. You're, you're just a guy out of college. And... You got a couple bucks, but you gotta you gotta watch your funding. I appreciate that, Brian. You and I have known each other since the third grade, and that's the way I expected you to answer that question. So I'm sorry. No, he answered that right. He answered that right. Okay. Next question. How good a skier am I? <laughs> you're, I seem pretty good. You you're going to ask an extreme, baby. <laughs> No, seriously. No, you're, 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 that's, it's your thing. You're, this is, it's, imagine just you out of college. This is you. Oh, me? This is yeah, me? This is you. Without my lovely wife, who I love to death, out of college, if I can move to a mountain right now. Mm -hmm. Oh, fucking Wolf Creek, man. Wolf Creek. Nice. Even, even being single, you go to Wolf Creek? Oh, no, it'd be the worst single life on the planet. Yeah. Get some well, like yeah, some old hippie though. lady, like, hey there, young fella. You I got some peyote back in my trailer. <laughs> <laughs> you you want to get weird? You want the best absolute story out of the world before I like before I let, met my wife and all that. So I started traveling to Wolf Creek. Brian, you were actually there like third trip. Like you turned me over to my parents drunk. You're just like, this guy's hammered. That was and one of my favorite. See you later. 
That was well, one of my favorite New Year's ever, <laughs> still to this day. See ya. <laughs> I didn't drink back then. I was driving that night. I did, yeah, had to dispose you off at your parents' house. Dispose you. <laughs> no, he totally dropped me off. <laughs> it was more like pouring you out of my car. <laughs> Is he out? Is he away from the wheels? I'm out. Wheels up. My mother, like, so I had about an hour of sleep. The next morning, my father's like, my mother freaked out when I came in the room that night. Damn. The next morning, my, my mother's like, you got to punish him. My father's like, okay, he carries all the skis. I carried seven pairs of skis. Nice. Through the baggage check. Yeah. My father let me go after that. He's like, eh, I don't care after this. He made it. He carried the skis. You've paid the iron debt. That's right. So here's the other thing. Like, so a lot of companies, ski companies are trying to manicure like everything about a mountain. Right. So, and you see that in Whistler and Tremblant is like a mini Whistler. And it's funny. I've been to Whistler and Tremblant and you look at Tremblant, you're like, this is exactly like a mini version of Whistler. Like they took the same blueprint, the same plan, same vendors and just fucking plopped them right here. But I think Tremblant, and, like that's, it's actually pretty old, isn't it? Like that village. Yeah, but but the way it's been manicured, like, and that's what I'm saying, it's manicured, right? And it it just it, it drives me nuts because I'm like, you're trying to create this. I understand you're trying to create an experience for people, which is great. But the experience people want when they go to Ski Village is the wildness of like a fucking Jackson, where shit's gonna happen. It's expensive as hell. Telluride, remote, where like. But see, Jackson's to pain the ass because of the way everything is set up because of that mountain village up top, That's great whatever they it. call it. It's no, still it's pain in the dick. It's like, it's a, it's a half an hour, 20 minutes to get to the actual town in Jackson, which is awesome. You know, the town yeah. is great, but if to you get have up real to money, the mountain, you stay in mountain so. village. That's a different story. But yeah. we're staying in Jackson. And you know what? Jackson's a little town. Like it's, it's something to be said for like a town that if you didn't have skiing would still be there or was there. Well, Jackson, right. I mean, that's their off season is the winter. You know, the summertime right. is when Yellowstone's kind of in full full bloom and everyone's going there. People come from all over the world to come visit it. But, you know, exactly. I, but look at Jackson too. We, we were there a couple of years ago. We were talking to the lady working at the, the shop there in town. Just, you know, she's working in the regular clothing store. She's like, yeah, I live like an hour and a half away. Yeah. And I'm like, to really, to work at a clothing store? I mean, usually that's the kind of thing you work, you're 10 minutes away, 15 minutes away. But there, it's impossible to, to even buy anything in Jackson right. for under a million bucks. I think at but this point, it's not a manicured town. Like there's no big company that came and said, we're putting a restaurant here. And that's what they've done to like some of these other resorts. I think Jackson's, like, I think the problem is, is that there's so much national park right around there that there's really nowhere to build. Yeah. Like it's just but, kind of like this little tiny little sliver more. So when I look at a place like that's a little bit more of the glamor, like I want something that's a little unstructured, like, it, it really? it's here because because it's here, you know. Yeah, you want the amenities, but it's nice that you have a cool, chill little town. See, yeah. I'm in total with this. I think Jackson has to die. I yeah. think I Wolf Creek, Pagosa, towns like that have to thrive. I'm tired yeah. of fucking Jackson charging ten million dollars for a square acre. But do you want guys to the Springs to have? But do you want Pagosa to have like a freaking Starbucks drive through ski through? Like, no, you don't yeah, want already, that, right? We already got that. <laughs> but you have I to concede you, some things. Yeah. I want you and me to go take care of my grandmother and say, hey, Grant, we're going skiing today. But t- tonight we're going to be home and eat a turkey dinner with you. That's nice. That, 
that town to me is family. It's paradise. It has the, oh, and by the way, the best goddamn shoots and jaggered freaking cliffs that we can drop off of in avalanche territory in the country. It's, just, it's, it's Disneyland for skiers and we have to dip in. But that's, that's also, you're talking about people who are there who are going to a ski mountain to actually ski and not to wear their $700 Canada goose jacket and their stupid, weird old $300 boots and just, again, just be, be seen there. Like, again, like we, like, I don't give a shit about that. I, I want to go and I want to ski. I want to experience it. I want to, you know, I want to go hike up someplace. I don't give a shit about any of that, like fancy bullshit. And that's, uh, it's so unfortunate to see so many mountains that are just getting inundated. Like park city. Like we went there a couple of years ago. The, the canyons part that they added on to Park City, that, that part of the mountain is fantastic. But yeah. you got to deal with all the Park City assholes, you know, like who, are, who are, aren't fancy enough to be in Deer Valley, but they're going to they're gonna slum it, quote unquote, in Park City. I almost got arrested the other day doing this. Uh-uh. I took one of your stickers. Uh-huh. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and this chick just running. I don't know why she was running. <laughs> Sticker, man. Just Face him. I tried to stick it on her Canadian goose jacket. Nice. Boom. She was wearing Canadian goose and running. <laughs> she was running. This is I our know. own project mayhem we got going on here. I this thought, is beautiful. I thought Canadian goose, you like stroll. You don't run. Like if you're wearing oh, Canadian hey, goose, stroll. You're arrested, like charged with like, I have no idea what. Having good taste. It turns out they're like, we have no idea who did that. So no worries. Go. <laughs> what the police said, she kept running so long the police could not catch up with her. Nice. Mm. <laughs> That's fat police or a really spry girl. I don't know. She but had it, a mission. She had a mission. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, think about it. That's the problem with the industry. It's, it's, it seems like it's still focusing on luxury. That's what they're they're aiming for that's everyone every resort's goal is to be this you know we have ma- on mountain condos and but fancy when you, go away, that's what you want you want the res- luxury right like you want that vacation like so here's the thing when you go to like an all-inclusive like island vacation you're in the heat you're in the beach and it's great you're all-inclusive you want that same thing when you're like in the mountains right not necessarily well not necessarily but it's nice right if you, some people value that more than others, I don't, I value, don't but it's nice. When, it's nice out of the option, right? And that's the difference between picking a when you're out there, like just trying to skim a shoot. What what's valuable to you? Like, what are all the pieces that you got to put together? Like, is it the bars? Is it the skiing? Is it the chicks like what so what do you value all right so let's say skiing okay let's let's do uh skiing um well here here's the scenario here's a thousand dollars you have a thousand dollars you can either spend it on cat skiing you can spend it on fancy accommodations or you can spend it on luxurious dining of those three things like which do you pick or (laughs) four I'm spending my my bulk of my money on skiing. Exactly. That's exactly. I think all three of us would say the same thing. 
Yeah. And I'll deal with, so here's the thing. Like, so I'm the kind of guy that I'll deal with the other lacking of like, if you don't have the luxury, you don't have whatever I'll deal with it. If it's but, really that good. But some people, that's their priority. They would, they, they care more about the luxury and again, getting the t-shirt saying I went to XX resort, you know, I right. can show it off now. And that's, that's why you always have to have an Aspen or, you know, that's, that's why you have to have that. Yeah. And that's where Mad, Mad River Glen is going to be on the top of their chart. I love that mountain. Uh, don't associate that with Mammoth. Uh, I'm sorry. You said Aspen. Aspen. <laughs> Aspen's. I haven't been there. Really? I heard it's awesome. But people look for luxury, but there's like, so here's the thing, because you have the luxury, you have the money coming in, you can develop and, and make available some fucking great terrain. So that's the, the dichotomy when you're talking about like a ski mountain, you're like, we have the money to like really open up some great terrain, but then you have the luxury, which you provide, which is what keeps people coming in. You know, it's crazy. That's it's a slippery the, slope. That's the Jackson paradox. Jackson Paradox. I like it. Jackson, Jackson, Paul, Paradox. Jackson Paradox. Yeah. You know, because again, the mountain is unbelievable. Amazing. I mean, one of the most yeah. amazing places I've ever been. I mean, the Tetons in general, you look at them, you know, it's like flat, flat, flat. All of a sudden these giant fucking mountains, like it's, it's breathtaking. The mountain it's is good. awesome. But again, yeah. they've just, I, and again, this is a, this could, you can really go down a rabbit hole. If you want to go down some, well, why is everything in Wyoming there? Why are the Cheney's there? Wait, what's outside of, of the Jackson? Is it Silverton? No, that's Silverton. No, is, Wilson. Um, Wilson is the next town. No, what's the, uh, what's the big um, ski mountain off of uh, outside of Jackson? Grand Targhee? Grand Targhee. Snow King. Snow King. King. Big Sky. No, Grand Targhee. Have you bunch. done Grand Targhee? Nick? I know Brian has No, I've never seen Target. Is that apparently like and and Brian um what's his face? Cody like told us about that. He said it just get pummeled with fucking snow. Like so even Well, they're they're fucking destroyed right now. Yeah. So Jackson gets yeah. snow, but it hits Target like the way like it's all shaped. Like they get, they get hit first, pummeled. yeah. Yeah. So I haven't skied that. I heard it's pretty fucking awesome too. It's also a pain in the ass to get to. So again, oh, it's, it's better it's because it's, it, well, yeah. it's hidden. Yeah. It's not as easy to get you. I mean, Jackson, I mean, you fly in there, you're 10 minutes from the airport. It's, it's so, so easy. Nice. It is so it's awesome. super easy. And again, yeah. but, it, but it's the mountain is unbelievable. But again, yeah. you have a lot of people, a lot of money, a lot from, I think Silicon Valley, Hollywood, people flying out there, getting their second, third, ninth, 15th home, building it out there, going there for two weeks out of the year. And uh, again, making it goes back to that same story we talked about at Whistler. You know, people just can't afford who are actually doing the work, who are living there. They can't live an hour from their job and they're not yeah. making big money. They're just, they're getting by. So for somebody I think, visiting, I think it depends on the state. Think, of where Mario, in, right? I'm sorry. I hate to interrupt, but I think Brian and I grew up in the same environment with like the kids with moderate money, with no money and all these rich fucking assholes just pumping their fucking money into the situation. Bunch of new money douchebags, yeah. Boom. Brian, how many times would... So you and I now ski Jackson Hole, Vale, all these places. How many times? Together? Yeah, I mean, over the years, a handful of times. A couple times a year, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
How many times did these douchebags declare they were doing that? <sighs> Countless. Mm-hmm. Countless. Yeah, that's that's again, it's to show off to their friends that all oh, I would hear. And how many room. times did they actually do it? Probably about 20 minutes. Yeah. When they were there. I don't know. It wasn't really, I don't like these conditions too much. Oh, it's very hard conditions. I, I can't handle the I, I didn't have my power skis with me, wow. so I couldn't go out there. You know, you get that you get so much of that kind of just just dude. I started out jean dude, I started out jean skiing too. It's fucked up, man. You get to a place and you're like, wow, there's actual snow. There's actual like it's not like Mountain Creek. Dude, I learned when I learned I I skied for about three years and I never saw the sun. I skied always at night. Always at night. And then the first time I went like skiing in the day, I was like, oh my God, there's like you could see everything. It was fucked up. I was like, have I been like in a like it was weird. I was like, what country do I live in? It's weird. Really weird. So we were talking about, you know, we we're kind of throwing out there like best places. Mario, did you have a place? Like if you could have your perfect place, your perfect mountain, village, everything. Perfect mountain, village. Perfect, perfect. Yeah. I think I'm going with Telluride, man. I love Telluride. So that's... What I would have said. I tell you, Valtorens was fucking off the hook yet last year. It was great. I had a, one of the best times in my entire life, Valtorens. But all around, tell you right, man. They kind of have it right the way the mountain is set up. But again, they're obviously they're doing the same thing where they have all the the mountain village and all the luxury stuff on the mountain. But just that downtown there. You know, yeah. I mean, it really is that old school mining town. There's totally just honest, great little bro. local, little like little hole in the wall bars, great food. Yeah. The mountain is just, it's, uh, you never honest get bored there. Up between Telluride and Jackson. Yeah. So Telluride was very high, very like I had a lot of problems with the altitude. Jackson wasn't as high and more convenient because Telluride is a pain in the dick to get into Montrose and then an hour and a half, whatever. So that's why, I don't know. I'm torn between Telluride and Jackson. Two favorites. Add two. Next thing, I guess sort of in the same vein, but also a little bit different. Uh, FamilySkier.com. They just came out with a, a blog post talking about five great ski mountain areas for less than 80 bucks a day. And you know, Damn. We've, we've talked about it a bit and had some some chuckles about Vail. And their so you lived the dream last week, right? Ticket. What's that? You lived the dream last week or the week before. I uh, sort of, yeah. Magic, right? I finally hit up Magic and Fuck yeah, twenty nine dollar lift tickets and you know that's they, insane, dude. They're closed Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, unless it's a powder day of six inches plus. So we got there Thursday and it was just it it was ready for us and it hadn't been skied on in three days and they had about you know close to a that's foot. for a whole day lift pass it wasn't like an hour no like, whole day lift pass and there was probably thirty people on the mountain damn. it was just it was a it's a fun spot it's great terrain you know again it's only three lifts it's small but the um the center part of the mountain is just it's it's pretty gnarly it's fun and they keep it you know they keep it pretty natural they don't they do they groom some of the of the trails but for the most part it's it's go out there and and this is what we got so it's sweet it's it's a fun spot it's a really special spot and i i get into why there's always showing up on lists of you know best resorts there isn't much there but what is there is great that's nice mm-hmm. 
All right. Thank you, Magic. Well, so let's run this down. So this list, we got five spots here and none of them are anywhere near the East Coast. So number one mentioned earlier, Mount Baker in Washington. 60 bucks a day for an adult lift ticket. Damn. Bridger Bowl in Montana. Our buddy Robert that we talked to, that's where he used to ski at. Nick, have you ever skied Bridger Bowl? Yes, I have. Nice. Six. I've heard of Bridger Bowl so much, but I've never I've never even like been remotely near it. You want to go? Can you have to go? 63 bones a day. Fuck yeah. Red Lodge in Montana, 67 bucks. Silver Star in British Columbia, 73 US dollars. And Loveland in Colorado, mm. 79 bucks a day. Dude, I drove, we drove right by it. Oh, fucking damn. On the way to Vail? We're back from Vail. I was like, God damn it. Damn. So there's still places to do things on the cheap. You mm-hmm. know, you got to keep your eye out there. And, you know, again, it's, it's a, the most important thing, I think, to having a good time skiing is knowing exactly what you want. And when you know, so driving by Loveland on the bus was weird. It was like, there's a road and there's a parking lot and there's this big fucking mountain. And that was it. That's, I guess, what you ski. Yeah. Great. All, All right. right so next, next up. I love this story. I think, Brian, you take the story because I read it and I still don't understand it because I'm like, I see what happened, but I don't, I don't know if it's true. I don't know. It's weird. So this is actually going down right now. This is happening. This weekend. This, this weekend, weekend at Okemo in Vermont. Fuck yeah, we gotta follow up. We so gotta there find is a out bachelor party. Hashtag Angelo's bachelor party. So right, these, I gotta see what's going these on. These group of guys from Jersey, they were organizing a bachelor party, and I guess the guy who was organizing it had his whole list of the, the groom-to-be's buddies and was sending out emails. But what he did was he accidentally screwed up one of the emails and it went out to this other guy who was a legit person and had the, that email address, but they were based out of our lives in Arizona. And these guys are all, you know, Northeast guys. And they were going to, um, Okemo mountain in Vermont for this bachelor party, this MLK weekend. And this guy will, he had like the best response and I'm trying to find where I, where the, um, the article talks about it. They're like, Hey, so just so you know, like I'm not the guy you're writing to, but your party sounds awesome. Like I'll see if I can make it up there. And these guys respond like, Hey, that's so cool. Like that you would even try to do this. So he got like crowdfunding and people are paying for him to fly from Arizona up to Vermont. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he's actually partying with these dudes. He's never met before. That's sweet. It's pretty cool. And, you know, they're, they're doing like a big 80s night. They're having barbecue. They're getting matching shirts. So this should be fun to watch over the weekend to see. Um, it's all to, quiet on their Twitter page right now. Now, is it? Yeah. So I don't know if you want to like throw a little grenade in there. But like, hey, what's up, man? We're following you. What's going on with this? Well, I know. I mean, I don't really know how much can go down in Ludlow, Vermont. It's not really. Hey, hey. there's a lot of shit go down. It's not really a super hotbed for partying. It um, really isn't. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, hashtag Angelo's bachelor party will be worth watching over the weekend. Hopefully these guys, you know, I'm hoping that the storm didn't prevent any of these guys. Hashtag Angelo's arrest for trying to get a hooker in Ludlow. That's what I'm saying. Weird. So check that hashtag out. We'll have in the show notes and hopefully, uh, Oh, someone's got a Maserati. 
Oh, wow. So this guy, Will Novak, though, he's the guy from Arizona. They gave him a freaking Maserati at the Enterprise rented car. Boom. See, you blow up. Nice. With 11 inches of snow projected. That's perfect. It's going to be a good time. Hashtag brilliant. What kind of beers have you got? I thought it was Sip of Sunshine, but I don't think so. Night uh, shift. Uh, what? Look at that. See, they're getting sponsorship for the bachelor party now. Nice. Very nice. Very cool. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Tweet out to them. They're like, what's up, man? All right. So, anyway, there's a drone with a flare attached that lights up the entire mountain sky for skiing. Who doesn't want a night ski when nobody else is there? Perfect. So, um, this Brian you found on unofficial networks, it was pretty crazy. Uh, January 14th, a little bit of a while ago. Um, yeah, they actually just like use this drone and I don't know if they attached, they attached like a light to it or something. And yeah, it just was able yeah. to follow them and light up the mountain so they could ski at night. They had a follow me stuff on. I think it's great. They did like a real video. Like it's really well done. So they did like a, I think they did a light and then they did a flare at some point. Very cool. So very good video unofficial, like puts out a lot of good stuff and uh, good stuff, man. I tell you what, that's like, it's like a tough call. Tough call with that. All right, and that wraps up the ski news for the week. So we kind of alluded to it a little bit earlier, and now we're actually getting into it. So we're talking about safety and avalanches and some of the current events that are going on in the, the last couple of days and weeks in the mountains. And there was the unfortunate story just today unfolded as we speak yeah yeah it just sort of came out today that you know the avalanche happened yesterday over in taos there was two skiers that got caught in an inbound avalanche and unfortunately one of those skiers died today on friday um i think the details are still 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 sparse and still coming out but it's 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 so unfortunate. It's so sad. I mean, this, this just opened, I think this week, that particular yeah. lift and that part of the mountain. Um, so you're saying there's two men trapped for 22 minutes. And, um, I guess afterwards one was, uh, not you right? Yeah. It was an inbound avalanche too. Yeah. That's what makes it so scary. Cause usually you just think, you know, oh, as long as I'm in bounds, everything will be fine. No big deal. But ugh, unfortunately, just there was just so much snow, and it just well. And here's a here's wrong the thing place, about, wrong time. Yeah, it's it's snow in nature, right? Like so, you you plan for it, and I'm sure they they you know drop some dynamite and try to like make the avalanche happen before it did happen, and it just didn't go. And then these guys are skiing and then it just kind of came in and took them out. It's pretty messed, messed up. Yeah. And they were saying too, that, you know, they were after the avalanche, they were searching and they said there was just so much snow that the probes being used couldn't locate people at the bottom. Like they just, it was so much snow covering them. They couldn't even find them. 
So for me, I've, I've thought about this recently because um, I'm going to Europe next week and like there's a shit ton of avalanches going on, a lot of snow going on. So I'm thinking about bringing at least my beacon, maybe not my whole full gear. Cause I'm like, if I get buried, like at least they get finally, you know, I don't know. Weird. Yeah. I mean, you already have all the gear. So what's, what's the big deal of carrying it with you? Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's just it. Like if I bring my shovel in and probe, like I'm trying to dig somebody else out, like all my friends, they don't have the stuff. So I don't have a beacon to locate him, but I don't know. You never know. Nick. Yo. What's up? You want to grab the, uh, the Swiss Alp avalanche? All right, Swiss Alps. So um, TGR put out a video and they were showing these massive avalanches in the Swiss Alps that they're like, a lot of them they're like trying to, you know, make happen. And they're like from a helicopter showing these freaking massive avalanches. It was pretty cool. Um, but unfortunately right now they're like having a ton of avalanches and a shit ton of snow, which is good in the Alps. Um some of them are just like massive. I'm like, wow. Like an entire mountain face just like crumbling down. He said this one was in Grimmins, Switzerland, and it was at least a quarter mile wide. It's, an, it's incredible. Like the amount of snow that's fallen out there is just like last year they had trouble. Um, so our ski club, our, our home ski club, Hoboken, Hoboken, shout out. Uh, they're going to Zermatt this year. And last year they had to evacuate Zermatt because they got too much snow which what you think is not a problem. Uh, it was a problem. They had actually heavy lift everybody out, which is pretty messed up. Um, and now they have like, there were some people buried in the Northern part of Switzerland. Uh, I'm going to the Southern part of Switzerland in next week. I'll be in St. Moritz and uh, skiing out there. So we'll see. Hopefully there's nothing that's going to bury me might bring my all my avalanche gear just to be safe yeah there's the one too they have on that of the snowcat that gets kind of stuck yeah. in an avalanche it's caught and it's just sort of you know you kind of just have to wait till you're done you yeah. know like like you're in the uh in the washing machine and you wait till it's done and then when you're done you hopefully you're still in one piece it's awesome and you know the best part right now i just see a little picture of nick and Aussie's Buford. Just chilling out. Buford, what are you saying now? What are you saying, buddy? Like, I yeah, don't know, Buford's man. filling in for the moment. Buford's filling in. Yeah, so we're going <laughs> to talk about just the chaos that's going on right now in Europe. And they're showing... They're losing their shit, man. They don't know what to do. Yeah, even in uh, about Bulgaria, there was two snowboarders who died. There's just traffic disruptions and power outages and... And they were saying that there's a snow-related death in Albania, too. Um, so 20, 20, num- 20 related weather-related deaths in Europe last week. Weather-related deaths. That's crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, there's, you know, there's a part where, you know, a certain amount of snow is awesome. And then it gets to that beyond that amount. And that's when things start getting a little bit sketchy and unfortunate. And certain and spots starts in, tumbling. Certain spots in Europe are hitting that point right now. Yeah. 
That's why you got to watch yourself. I think uh, everybody needs to be aware, uh, know who you're skiing with, know where you're going, and uh, pay attention to shit. I mean, you know, Taos, they got swallowed up in uh, inbounds. Uh, that's, that's rare, but uh, still got to... So gotta be aware where you're going, you know. Yeah, definitely. If I'm in Bulgaria, I'm not thinking anybody's like checking the snow report. Let's put it that way. <laughs> That's me. And then there's one other interesting story that we not even a story really, but just to help you out if you are going to any avalanche prone areas or you're trying to plan for you know, preparing yourself for going out there is uh kicking horse has an avalanche safety course and they have a couple different levels of it They're They run them a couple times a month. So you can, you can go to the website. We'll have it listed in the show notes and you can check it out and you can get out there and it's like 250 bucks for a two day course. And you go out there, there's, you know, eight, I think eight person maximum or one to eight ratio. So your trainer to the, the students um, first day is indoor does not require a lift ticket, um, but it's two full days. So yeah, indoor one day outdoor another day. And you can at least get the, the basics of avalanche training. Um, they offer them all over the place, but this was just one that avalanche Canada has set up and you can do it there kicking horse. And, you know, I guess we've talked about this and with other folks in the past and, one thing that sucks is if you're, you have to travel somewhere and you're not local, you're like, oh, I don't really want to waste two days. Well, waste in air quotes, waste two days or get somebody to trained. go, to yeah. go do that, you know, to do this training when you really just want to go out there and just rip it up. But here's the other thing. Even if you're trained, if you don't know the terrain, like that's a big difference too. Like right Nick, like, so, you know, Wolf Creek, if I go to Wolf Creek and I'm well-trained in avalanche shit, like, I still don't know what's common in Wolf Creek versus somewhere else. Right. Like, I don't know. I, I, I think it, it weighs in, you know, you know, it's one of those things that you, you, you should spend the time and the effort to, to get up to speed on things. Cause you know, it's one of the, look at those, those folks at Taos, you know, the one guy lost his life and I mean, could he have prevented it? Was there anything he could have done? Did he have an airbag? I, I don't know. I, we don't, we're still kind of learning the whole situation, but the more you it's can do to keep yourself out of trouble. What's that? It's absolutely breaking my heart. It yeah. sucks. It really does. I don't think there's anything those guys could have done differently. Um, I wish there was a dog like Buford chasing him down the slope. But, Buford. but that's but, one of the cases where you're like, it's an actual accident. Precautions were taken. Um, no, no. I'm actually not going to go that far. I think this, just this time, it just, it's one of my home mountains and then my heart's broken. It, yeah. It's, um, what can you do to avoid that inbound avalanche inside your home mountain? Like, we all ski these, we all ski these runs we all take these risks. It's an interesting thing. This is a messed up one. I mean, the only precaution you take is start closing down the mountain, right? So you show up and there's a shit ton of snow. You're like, did you read what the ski patrol did that morning? They, they threw dynamite on that slope that morning. Right. But what, 
that's that's what I'm saying though. Like, what other precaution can you take? Just close down the mountain, and say, well, it's too much, and then people are going to complain. Like, well, we could really ski right now. It's like sweet as hell. You know, it's that risk reward. Like, what risk are you going to take? Would you guys mind if I went on a tirade? Yeah, go right ahead. Go for it. All right. So last week at Whistler, they had an open Symphony Bowl. Is as you guys love Symphony? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's fun. They hadn't, uh, so they hadn't opened at that point. Whistler Bowl, they hadn't opened Harmony Bowl, they hadn't opened the Glacier, and so we were all sitting there in discontent. We're all sitting there at the bottom, going, "Why don't they open this? They they just want to ski it themselves." Yeah, and then they slowly opened it piece by piece, and not an avalanche fell. But what we got to experience was just like untracked powder it was absolutely nice. unbelievable we got to experience 15 millimeter oh, i'm sorry 115 millimeter ski tracks down unbelievable slopes that we had never touched before it was fantastic But if they had been hesitant to hope, hope, sorry, I'm being a little drunk right now. Ah. Open it up, we would never have gotten to ski that. So they're holding back on certain things. They're not holding back on others. Where do we go? It's slippery slope. Like, you know, at some point they got to make a decision and they opened it and, you know, should happen. <sighs> I'm not, nature, man. I'm not saying shit happens. I'm really not. Just, yeah. Hey, but at some point, like nature's nature, you can't. You can't. I mean, you got to do. You got to. You have to do everything you can to to yeah. take care of yourself. You know, like they're gonna whether they open it or don't open it. You know, you you still have to to do everything you can for yourself. And I'm sure these guys were fully equipped and had everything they they needed. And uh, it's it's you don't super expect it, but it should happen. Yeah, I mean, what are you gonna do? Yeah, I mean, I think you, the question comes down to just bold and basic. Like, at what point do we wear like beacons and bounds? Yeah. At, at what point do you stop nerfing the world? Right. So now oh, we're talking about like really well put nerfing really everything. Like, so and we just. Be so safe to never enjoy that fresh powder or, or what? Like, so I'm taking that risk. You know, you go out surfing, like you go out, nobody's stopping you from getting a wave, right? Now, if that wave is a 70-foot wave, nobody's going to say, no, Nick, we're not recommending you do that. You're in fucking nature, right? You're going to do it, and nobody's going to stop you. And if you die, they're going to be like, well, I'm going to fucking want to do a big wave. He did it. Right. So yep. why it's just a little bit different because now there's somebody quote unquote regulating the territory, but it's still nature. Right. There's only no, so much you can do. Totally with you. Yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't control all that snow. Under the ropes. Wrap this bad boy up. Yeah. All right. So. First one. This was a big story all over the world, as it should have been, because this lady is inspiring 
to many people, including us. This this fine woman in the Wichita, Kansas area fine. Just fine, fine. got in trouble because she was riding around in her scooter at 6.30 a.m. on a Friday what? drinking wine out of a Pringles can. <laughs> what? What? Yellow, when she was asked, it's what? Yellowtail Chardonnay out of her, out of a Pringles can. This is a, um, I, I don't know where life, where things turned so poorly for this lady that she ended up, this is her thing. But yes, she got banned from Walmart for, uh, it actually says Texas, not Wichita. I don't know where I came up with Wichita. Isn't that pretty fucked up that like, you get banned from Walmart? Like, I didn't think that was allowed. Yeah. Is it just every Walmart or is it that one particular one? Can you just like drive to the next one, which is probably like 20 minutes down the road? I'm like Walmart's everywhere. That's like being banned from like fucking Seven Eleven or something. Like that. How do you do that? Yeah, you'll find another one. Starbucks. He's banned from Starbucks. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that, Nick, being in Seattle, banned from Starbucks? Well, he's like well, McDonald's here. So if you imagine being banned from McDonald's, it's actually not that bad. Can you imagine both? You're banned from both. Like you've exposed yourself to so many pe- places that like you're just banned. Well, that's called my life. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't imagine that. But uh, being banned from just general great coffee in Seattle, no, that'd be hell on earth, man. That suck. Man, but like, I'm sorry, sir. You have to go. Yeah, like, how do you even know me? You're new here. <laughs> Both of you have been here. You know what the life is. Yeah. Need that coffee to survive that, uh, that grayness. But can you imagine upon employee orientation, like this motherfucker can never come in our place. <laughs> you just got to kick him out. That's pretty, that's pretty badass. I like it. Like someone signing bad checks with their face on the wall. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> the Jerry Seinfeld, the little balloon checks. Awesome. <laughs> the clown checks. The clown checks. Yeah. Clown checks. Awesome. All right, and last one, Mario. Last up, I'm following this out. So this is a big thing that's affecting everybody right now. So the government shutdown is going on. Everybody knows it's going on. And right now, porn viewership in D.C., we're attributing it to the government shutdown, has, has taken a rise. We're going to say porn is on the rise in D.C., because the government shut down. So they're saying, statistically, they're saying porn in the D.C. metro area, they're saying there's a 6.3% overall raise in the amount of porn that people a are watching. 6.3-inch rise in... <laughs> inch rise! Um, so they're saying Pornhub, they're using again as a... So the next election, Pornhub is going to be the... When they come up with the statistics, they're going to say... Uh, plus or plus or minus like ten percent from Pornhub. I, I don't know. Like, what else can they come up with? Because all their metrics are pretty pretty shitty. So, um, so they noticed an an increase in visits to the site, but also a distinct shift in hours which people are watching porn. So, they're saying in the United States, weekday visits since the shutdown were up five point nine percent. And in DC area, they're saying six point three or whatever it is. 
pretty significant. Just saying. Weekday visits, huh? Yeah. So it's great. You you could paint any picture with an infogram. Go, oh my god, that's like incredible. I know this is what I do for a living. You can throw off the scale. Yeah, you can you just try to go dramatic effect and. I can make, I can make like a little bump in the road look like wow we had the best year ever. So average visit time during the week increased by thirty three seconds. <laughs> wow, thirty three seconds more, huh? God damn! Not even the full minute. You couldn't even get the full minute out of that. It's like so I really want to see the way this story plays out. <laughs> What's this denouement of this episode going to be? So it increased 33 seconds from 10 minutes and 37 seconds. 10 minutes of which is used for searching usually. So there you have it. So there you go. So you know what? Well, these uh, government employees are furloughed. You know, it's going to be a, it's going to be a a rise in the amount of traffic. I, there's got to be there's got to be other stuff like you know benefiting from it you know you got to think these folks would be like you know i gotta improve my uh my skill i gotta learn some javascript i gotta learn how to work in after effects like i gotta I, I don't, figure I don't out really, my next career move i don't really think they're looking at that i so, imagine netflix went up too probably that too dc area netflix went up all right well i think that wraps up the old podcast for the week this was a long one it looks like nick may be frozen we're all frozen. I know. I, I think we lost him. I think, I think we done. lost him. Yeah. yeah. It was a long one. We had a couple of drinks before, during, after, and uh, we had some, we had a fun time. So Nick, thank you for joining us. It was great having you. Thanks, Hopefully Nick. we'll have you on again soon. Check us out. Skibumpodcast.com. You remember this tomorrow, Nick. Check us out on all the spo- on the, uh, the socials, the socials, the socials, socials. Special we are Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We're all at Ski Bum Podcast. We're also on Pinterest. It's highfalutin-ski-bum. We are on SoundCloud as, I don't know, just search for us on SoundCloud. Highfalutin-ski-bum. You know how to find us. And on YouTube, search for us there too. And that wraps up the podcast. And thank you for listening. And we'll see you guys next week. Stay high, stay See ya.